Hello, listening people. Hello, listening people. I'm Ryan. I'm Bartek. And you're listening to Spin Polish Presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. Bartek, why are we called Spin Polish? Because we're always Polish and we're both spitting. Yes, or we're always spitting and we both happen to be Polish, isn't that right? That's right. What is it, Bartek, that we do here on Unappreciated Masterpieces? On Unappreciated Masterpieces. On what? On Unappreciated Masterpieces. <laughs> is, we... that, is that Polish? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. We find the classics, but not the classics that are classic, the classics that are forgotten, unappreciated, not seen, not talked about, you know, the elephants in the room, perhaps. Mm. The ones that didn't get the credit they deserved and still don't have it, the ones that had it at one point and don't, that's why we did movies like everything. Mm. Like all of them. Be- like Beckham I was saying, but I forgot the title. That's okay. how professional we are on the, the master. Don't blame me in your unprofessionality. Jeez. Sorry, you're wearing a suit, I'm not. Um, and we find them, we talk about them, we talk about why they are the greatest movies that are ever made, and why, this is more the theory side, why we think <laughs> that they are unappreciated. Yes, that's right. So is... Oh, sorry, that was a terrible cough. Um... What is the great cinematic classic, the unappreciated masterpiece that we are going to explore today? Well, Ryan, today we are doing Rock Pierwszy. Um, look, I don't know what that means. You know, we've been doing this for, what, like 25 episodes or more? I don't know. I don't speak Polish. You're just doing this to embarrass me in front of in front of everyone involved. I don't know. What are we watching, Bartek? Well, first of all, are you embarrassed? Obviously. Good. I said that. But... Rock Pierwszy is Year One, starring Jack Black and Michael Cera. Cera or Sarah? I don't know. I think it's actually that's, Sarah. That's one of the many questions I have in my notes. So Year One, the 2009 classic film Year One. But Bartek, that? we don't always do this alone now, do we? No, we've only done it alone twice. Every now and then we do it alone, but usually we need a guest, a brave soul, a, a soldier of fortune to help us analyse, break down, and discuss this kind of film. And who is our guest, Bartek? Ryan, I'm glad you asked. Our guest today is very, very cool. It's Liam Amor. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible introduction. Okay, I'll give you... It, a... is, it is a bit cold in here, I must say that. I will give you a great introduction. Oh. Liam Amor is our biggest guest, and I don't mean like... What, just you, what in... the hell, guys? <laughs> Are you trying to insult me? I don't mean it like just physical size. I All mean right. as in uh, stature of Korea. You're the one who's actually got a career of some sort in acting and in films. You're actually our guest that can give us an idea of how the behind-the-scenes process works. Liam, of course, has been, you know, in a few things, a few things that you may know, such as Liam has, of course, been in Neighbours, who yes. could forget. Um, he was also in the television movie Hawk yes. as Robert Ray, who could forget that. Of course, Liam only chooses the top-class stuff like Blue Heelers. Only, yeah. <laughs> top shelf, top shelf TV. <laughs> top shelf. And my personal favourite, what, yeah, <laughs> thank you, okay? Liam's yeah, yeah, cr- I'm having a good time. Liam's career isn't funny, okay? I yeah. mean, he's a funny guy, but it's not a funny stuff being So far, it's hilarious. Keep going, yeah. <laughs> and whatever happened to that guy? As <laughs> Jamie in the episode, the classic Fat Pig. <laughs> Fat Pig, the Fat Pig episode. <laughs> what was that great, episode great about? Great little bit of improvisation in there. <laughs> what was that episode about? It was... Because uh... <laughs> I, I, sh- I looked up the show and it sounded actually interesting. Like, it yeah. got like a high rating and I was just like, 
I don't it remember was, this show. It got it like was. an eight point two or three on IMDb. I think you guys like, should definitely do it on this this podcast. Uh, yeah, whatever. If you're, happened if you're branching to TV, you know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Unappreciated TV shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what happened in Fat Pig? Uh, Fat Pig was the name of a restaurant oh. uh, that that Peter Moon was had opened up, and uh, he he uh, in a, in a brilliant little bit of improvisation looked me up and down and then suggested that I would enjoy eating there. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a fine bit of Australian comedy. Right there. Yes, and we're going to do a fine bit of comedy today mm-hmm. with Year One. Wow, I thought this was a serious intellectual podcast in which we. Mind cinema, cinematic history for material. Is yeah, well, well, this is cinematic history, and it's a comedic piece of cinematic history. This is no Schindler's List, of course, but it is an equivalent in the world of comedy. If you'd listened to this podcast, uh, podcast, you'd already know that we discovered the exact point in history where sexism ended forever. And that was, of course, with the film Sorority Boys. So this is 2009, one of our <laughs> more recent films. So we are going to get this started, of course. Um, before we do, do we have a personal history with this movie? Oh yes, I saw this movie in the cinema. What a great choice! Yes, was it great? Do you do you remember your experience with it vividly? No, this was a case where I remember <laughs> enjoying the movie a lot, but as the years go by, and it's been seven years, oh, uh, wow. very little bits of it stuck. Like I remembered it was very early in history, and it had like a bunch of biblical characters from the Old Testament, hmm. and yet it had a lot of New Testament stuff, like like the Romans and stuff. Like, well, obviously were they? they started Ro- early, we'll get but... there. We'll get to the Romans. Yes. So my history with this Liam is I rented it from Video Easy under the assumption that it would be the best film ever because it had everyone that was funny in it at the time. Like, you know, Paul Rudd was just kind of emerging. I knew he was in it, and it had, like, Tobias from Arrested Development, and it had, you know, Jack Black, and it had Michael Cera, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And I watched it, and you know what, guys? I'll admit, the first time I watched it, did not like it. Mm. And it's one of those films that kind of stuck. What? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't like it the first time around. It stuck with me being like, why didn't I like that movie? Why? And then I, you know, then I watched it again and again and again. And I just realized I was just too young. <laughs> you couldn't fully appreciate <laughs> yeah. the young. level of <laughs> yeah. maturity. Yeah, it, was, that, a comedy, like, it was way too high, yeah. bro. What about Pretty you, Liam? Do you have a personal attachment? Well, look, 2009 was so long ago. Uh, <laughs> what? Don't say that. We're I so think, young. I think I might have been in the same video easy, actually. And... and <laughs> Uh, I think I borrowed it, yeah, with the same idea of looking at the at the cast and and the director and thinking, well, this must be, a, uh, this must be like Hollywood gold, yeah, right exactly. Here, you know? And uh, well, <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> I was right. slightly disappointed, yeah. But 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 you're right. On reflection, it really is. I think I've grown too. Yeah, uh, we've both grown. Yeah, Bartek stayed the same. Yeah, uh, sure. I just had to remind myself. Basically. Yeah, no character development for Bartek. He's stunted. He's stunted. <laughs> so we're going to start this master affair in just... We're going to start it, so get your copy ready, guys, because I imagine all people of a sane variety have their copy of Year One readily available to watch at any time. So I'm going to press... Six dollars from the last available video easy in the world. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm going to try and start this... In three, two, one. Uh, will my DVD work? Bartek, the DVD. There, there we is. go. Three, two, one. Play. So we're now we're now got it happening. We're looking at the lovely lady herself. Is she a real person? Like they modelled her on someone real? Yes. You've been around for Columbia. Rita Hayworth. 
Oh, Rita, of course. I, you know, I should have known, but at the same time, I was too busy watching Year One to study the I... history of Columbia pictures. Oh, I thought it was Mrs. Columbia from, like, you know, the swimsuit competitions. The swimsuit competitions? Can I just say, look at that font choice already. We're already off to a winning start. Well, it gives you the feel of an ancient time. It does. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost papyrus, almost? but not. You know. Almost, I, I would I would say. So, Bartek, yes. you have no recollection of seeing this classic in the cinema. I have very little recollection, yes. Jeez, how could you? I mean, if I saw this, I would never forget. It would be an experience that I would never, ever, ever forget. Believe me, I've never forgotten that I've seen it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, the cast is quite impressive, wouldn't it's you incredible. say? It's incredible. It's an yeah. incredible cast, and I'll be honest... Um, you know, a lot of these people have, you know, bloomed as actors since this movie. There's a lot of unknowns at the time, and now they're... Like Hank Azaria. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know him. No, I was going to say, like, you know, like, I don't know, Olivia Wilde, she's pretty big now, but I don't think she was really anyone in 2009. Am I, am I right? In... She was only a year away from being uh, voted sexiest vegetarian of the year <laughs> by uh, PETA. Yeah. Well, there you go. And there's other people like uh, Juno Temple. She's like, you know, Jack Black's sister that he refuses to talk to at any point in this mm. movie and care about. Uh, you know, she's in quite a bit now as well. So, you know, this film, you know, this film, and of course, you know, I think it's an underrated actor, but Vinnie Jones is in this movie Vinnie too. Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones, most underrated actor. I think his best work is done when he doesn't speak. No, you're wrong. Have you not seen... How dare you? <laughs> have you not seen year one? I mean, <laughs> Sorry, you're right. Absolutely right. I'm sorry. And, you know, what, I and, like... what, and what lines of dialogue he gets given, <laughs> but that's later on, isn't it? Well, yeah. Of course, I remember he, he was, you know... You want to kiss? Who could forget that classic yeah. where he demanded that Michael Sarah kiss him? Mm. So, since it's been... So, when you guys watched this, getting prepared for this, how long would you say it had been since you had watched this film last? Like, how fresh was it in your brain? I have not... Honestly, have not thought about it since 2009. Okay, what about you, Bartek? Have you seen it since, like, your no, theatre experience? No, literally the theatre was the first and last time I'd seen it before yesterday. Well, I saw it last summer when I was back home for Christmas. It was on TV and I was just like, well, you know. How bored were you? <laughs> it was what? a Sunday night. I mean, come on, nothing else to do. It's God's Day Off. And, you know, I was like, come on, let's let's watch this movie. And what a blast it really is. So, having had to watch it again, guys... You know, Bartek having forgotten most of it, Liam not really wanting to remember it since 2009. Did it come back to you? Like, these moments with, like, flashbacks of you remembering you know it for the yes, first time? Yes, the, but, but only the start, the, the, the caveman Me part. too, actually. Yeah. And yeah. then after that, it just was a blur. <laughs> of, of Clearly, I was laughing so hard, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't yeah. remember any of it. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, I re- when I was watching this scene here, I was like... Oh yeah, wasn't Michael Sarah's character a, a gatherer? And yes, he was. Yeah. And then there was the part where he gets the forbidden fruit. I'm like, I remember mm. this scene. I I remembered this first half also, but the only thing I remember the second half was the 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 very gay uh, high priest. And that was Oliver like, Platt. Yeah. Oliver Platt, who he's someone I will be honest that I didn't really notice him as an actor until I watched the TV show Fargo, in which he was in it. And then I'm like, I've seen this guy in everything actually. He's, a, he's actually a really good actor. Oh, he is. is oh, he is. Definitely. Of course he is, because he's in this. But, uh, <laughs> he's great in this. What I mean is... Uh, Best part. There's a, there's a scene... There's a moment coming out which I think really... This film, if anything, 
can uh, put a stamp on history and just say, let's just put feminism back about 60 years. Well, no, in all fairness, this is during prehistoric times, so feminism is not what we understand it today. No, but it was made in 2009. Yeah, but this film is a historical piece. It's it's setting itself in year one. Can I just, you know, really jump on this? Yes. I was watching this with my household last night, so my, my oh, girlfriend... there it is. Yep. Yeah, um, armpit hair. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Yum. Hilarious. She doesn't have hair on any other part of her body apart from her head. <laughs> well, you know, we, we didn't get to see much else of her, so, you know, we don't know yet. But well, Was that Kenny Baker then? I, I don't know. I hope so. Yeah. You could only hope. I mean, Bill Hader's in this movie, uh, too. Is he? He's the witch doctor. Yeah, but is he? Like, who knows? <laughs> who knows? There's so much makeup there. <laughs> so, so many bad so choices. One of the questions we had a debate about in my household was the title. Year yes. One. Why is it called Year One? What's your understanding? What's your interpretation of it being... Why is it called Year One? Why? Well, I think perhaps it's a play on audience expectations. If you had not seen the trailer, <laughs> you would you would come into this thinking, oh, this is the first year ever. This is like pre-pre-pre-historic Yeah, you, thought they, you would think they're like prehistoric cavemen and yeah, this is their first God, year. God yeah. just made the world or whatever your yeah, and Jack Black's like the first man, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. What about, what about you, Liam? What was your interpretation of the title? You want? I think I think it's a uh, it's a obviously a lovely uh, homage to the two characters' names Z and O, yeah, which of course makes zero and uh, uh, yeah, and they're just bringing it always always coming back to zero. I think this whole film just comes back to zero. It comes back. It comes all back. the time. It just <laughs> flattens out to zero. Talking about, you know, coming back to things, uh, we're missing uh, her obvious uh, phallic symbolism there, which yeah. the film thought we needed to be understood more by having her do it with two as well. My understanding was, it was a big debate. People were like, okay, so it's year one as in what? Is it year one? That's a great cameo, by the way. Look at that. <laughs> the guy taking a shit behind Jack Black's <laughs> that, could be, that could have been you, Liam. <laughs> I love that. That's one of the best gags in the film, I reckon. No. No, I'm going to tell you about the best gag when it comes up. Uh, and if you dispute me, I'm going to just cry with anger. But one of my interpretations was... Is this year one, like, as in, like, because I knew it was biblical. I'm like, is it B.C. or A.D.? What is it? And then I remembered it's Old Testament. So I'm like, oh, B.C. then. And then it's clearly not. And then it's like, is it year one of man? No. And then I had an epiphany of maybe it's year one of their experience outside of the village. Like, year one of them outside of the zone of comfort, outside of home. Because... You could easily get a sequel out of this. Like, if it did much better than it did, it's set up for a sequel. Jack Black was going to... You go all the way up to... Year four. Yeah, at least. (laughs) The intelligence of the comedy would be year four level, you know? like Or or the sequels could be the rest of the year. Because what? They're only a couple... A week. And they do a a prequel. (laughs) Is this called, like, eight months? What do you think those those apples are made of? Um, Are we talking about from the world of the film or production? In the production. I think they're like green apples and they've used like a CGI, a CGI? effect. So That's a great use of budget there, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, really is. Look at you, that. last film we did, Guess Who, they spent $100,000 on special effects to digitally, digitally edit out Ashton Kutcher's wristband. Now that's how you spend a budget. That is, that's worth it. Mm. Now this, this film, obviously, it has a high production value. Is that a know? Granny Smith? I, I, what is that? 
I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a real Apple expert. Bartek, you're an Apple expert. Is it a Granny Smith? What was on the tree of knowledge? Uh, I don't know. Like, it's hard to say, but there was yellow snakes for sure. Maybe maybe that questions the point of this scene. I What ha- was on the tree of knowledge? <laughs> and did it make Jack Black smart? Like, that's the thing. Like, is it an actual, like, magical tree? I don't understand. Is that supposed to be Satan, by the way? The the snake or Jack yeah. Black? No, no, yeah. <laughs> no, the snake. Uh, you eat it, you eat, you eat the apple, the snake appears, yeah. and then the gag is finished and they just cut away to something else. <laughs> yeah, they don't explain how he got out of that. Yeah. It's a very funny interpretation of the story of Adam and Eve because the snake appears before the apple in that one, but in this mm. one they're like, we're doing things differently, yeah. much like Butch casting the Sundance Kid in terms of a Western. Sure. We're going to have the apple be eaten first and then have the snake. Yeah. And then have Adam later. Yes. And yeah, and if you really like that scene, you can stay in the credits and there's a scene where he fights the snake. <laughs> the snake yeah. Why was that not shown? I will be honest. So... This film deals with a lot of issues, but you know what's something I really got about this? This was in 2009, and you you made a comment, Liam, before that that was so long ago. So long ago. It really doesn't feel that long ago. For, Not that like, long ago. But this film really reminds you what 2009 films were like. You know, we've done a lot of movies now where we've done early to mid-2000s, and they have a real visual striking look and a directing style and a comedy style, but I did not know that 2009's comedy stylings... And filmmaking like this, for instance, is so different to what we have now. It's kind of interesting. What other great comedy films came out in 2009? (sighs) Let's see. It was a year after Meet Dave, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, that classic Meet Dave. Okay. Um, When did The Hangover come out? Way, way after that. 2009? No, I'm pretty sure Hangover was 2008 or 2009. I'm going to do a quick check. I mean, the third one came out in, like, 2013 or 14, so think about the film. It was eight or nine, I'm, I'm dead sure. Liam may be wrong about this, and he's a, you know, he's a colossus of film, so who knows, he may be right or wrong. We'll again, to... again with the weight jokes, come on. <laughs> no, I'm saying that you're, you're like, a hero. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Isn't she great? What a great actress. Yeah. Juno Temple, daughter of Julian Temple. I thought you were talking about Michael Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Juno Temple. Um, again, she's someone that I only kind of discovered in like a film at recent, which was Horns with Daniel Radcliffe, in which one day he wakes up and has horns, and that's how you make a movie. But so, so this film came out at around the same time as the Forty Year Old Virgin. Really. Also a Judd Apatow. Clearly, Judd Apatow produced this film and that. Uh, Borat came out. Oh yeah, so what? Step Brothers. Yeah. Hangover. You're right. You're absolutely Thank right. Thank you. I, I think right. an apology is owed. Uh, I won't Ryan. give it to you. <laughs> he says. I won't so. give it to you. So <laughs> me, myself, and Irene came out that same year as well. Really? And School of Rock. Big year for Jack. No, Black. School of Rock was like 2005. Yeah. Liam. Well, Borat was 2006. Well, are you, you looking at lists? <laughs> of people? Is wrong, He's just man. looking at lists of comedies and just assuming they all came. What a great year was for Jack what Black. A great year. What a great year for Jack me. Black must have in that year alone did School flip. of Rock and Nacho Libre at year one. It was a it was a stellar year. Big year. Big year. And that year was one year. of his yeah. career, really. <laughs> yeah. And that was the year Mike Sarah did The Graduate too. <laughs> I would watch that. Now, who is that? Who is that? As the as the we already said who it was. No, but is it? You can't tell. It really is because you could tell by the voice. Yeah, in the bloopers you can. Yeah. No, but in this, I told by his voice because Bill Hader every now and then does like to do that this kind of voice where he's just like, 
Yeah, I'm so matter of fact. I'm Bill Hader. You, you get it? I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in an ironic way, but I'm telling the truth about everything. You know, you get that's the joke. I just imagine how Ramus going up to you going, Listen, Bill, what we're going to do is... Uh, it, it's a caveman tribe. Uh, we're going to dress you up. Sounds great. I'm going to get some hair and some wig. Fantastic. And we're going to put you in blackface. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, how do you feel about that for comedy purposes? Uh, good. I imagine, yeah. uh, you know, I mean... Will if people Robin... be able to tell who I am? No, they will no, not no, be no. able to tell who you are. <laughs> oh, well, I don't want to... Be... That's good, I don't want to be remembered for this film. Yes, it's, it's a skeleton twins. It's a strand of blackface with blackface with red, yellow, and Hey, I mean, yeah. remember, at this period of time, during, the, like, the five years of, like, 2009 onwards, you know, I would say blackface was acceptable, because Robert Downey no, Jr. got Oscar-nominated. say that. You... Remember, you got Oscar-nominated sure. for... For freaking Tropic Thunder. Sure, sure. So that's what the Academy said. That's okay, though. But there was context. There's context there here. No He's context a witch doctor. Here. It's you one, guys. Yeah, it's true. That's true. He's You're a witch right. doctor. And that is the beauty of this film, <laughs> in that you can get away with anything. Because it's year one. There was no okay, there was no PC culture back here. Sure. So here's something I'll, I'll ask you. Do you guys like Jack Black in general? Are you a Jack Black fan? Do you appreciate his catalogue of work do you I'm think a, he's a good actor I'm going to say I'm a fair weather Jack Black fan mm-hmm. I go up and down depending on the, on yeah. the, on the role yeah I, I agree what about you Bartek Are you, because Bartek has been told by the kids that he looks like Jack Black sometimes yeah those fucking kids <laughs> <laughs> so what about you Are you a fan of uh, old Jack um well growing up I certainly remember whenever a movie was advertised as having Jack Black in it. That was always, you know, a good thing in my book because I remember, I think my first experience of him was School of Rock and, mm-hmm. and that's a classic, definitely appreciated. So whenever I saw a movie that had him in it, I was like, oh yes, this will be fun. Um, these days, you don't really see him too mu- in too many things. So He's it's... very choosy with his roles. He's, mm. done the, he's done the Steve Martin thing of like... Uh, mm of doing some really good early stuff and then and then just taking taking a little bit of the old easy road I think. Yeah. I mean that's I mean for another actor to say that about another actor is it's a that terrible joke. thing take but, that joke but back. you know that idea You've of like been schooled a, by Liam. You kind of just see him sort of go, yeah, I'll take that money. Thank you very yeah. much. Uh, Jack Black He was looking at me saw Jack Black and he just gave me yeah. criticism. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Black is very h- a hard thing to pick down because you got to commend him on his energy, but at the same time, when that energy is just not focused, it's the most annoying thing in the universe. It is like this... Ins- you know how you have insane children that are not your children and they just come up yeah. and try to entertain you and you're like, get away from me? That's kind of like... The Jack- slap. That's, you're saying yeah. the slap Jack- is about Jack Black. <laughs> Jack Black is the slap, yeah. The black. No. Oh, good one. And But Jack Black, my first introduction, because my parents... My parents just kind of were those parents that kind of let me watch any kind of movie. Was um, what's that one? Orange County, or whatever. It's just like he's Orange County. Yeah. Yeah, that movie or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. He was in that randomly. I'm like, oh yeah, that's I know this. I guy. like his early work. Uh, uh, I like Bob Roberts. Uh, um, High Fidelity. Yeah. yeah. What was that? Um, no, Jack Black. I actually did. Mars Attacks. That was. Oh good. my god, I loved him in Mars Attacks. Like, I like what I'm saying is. I like Jack Black. I do like him. He is, he chooses wrong roles sometimes. You know, Nacho Libre was one I, I hate with a passion. I hate Nacho Libre so much. Because you saw him in School of Rock and then he followed it up with that. Jack Black, I think it does the up and down choices where he goes, I'll do School of Rock, then Nacho Libre, and then year one. And then, you know, on and on it goes. 
And but you could see you could see the the the, the thinking behind Nacho Libre. It was like yeah. the, the runaway hit of Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Same director, same idea. Oh, by the way, look at this. I love the fact that there's a North American cougar <laughs> somewhere near Egypt. <laughs> uh, well, we don't know how far or, they or walked. Or the Middle East. Or wherever we they don't are. know how far they walked. That's a long. That's a long Walk. trip. Yeah. No. Um. Jack Black, one of my favourite Jack Black things is when, I love, he does it too, when comedic actors do serious roles, and they actually do them pretty well, but I like Jack Black, when he does a serious role, he still doesn't stretch far from being Jack Black. Like, my favourite Jack Black uh, performance is him as Bernie in the film Bernie, where it's like a true story film, and I'm just like, oh look, Jack Black can act. And then you watch Year One, and you're like, Jack Black can tell jokes. Just to interrupt for a second, Ryan, sorry, the idea that this film... You know, Michael Sarah's character just gets attacked by animals, and then all they do is cut away. Yeah, yeah. and you're then like, is he dead? Never explained how he gets out. <laughs> oh, of yeah, it. the credits don't have a cougar scene. There's just no cougar scene. No, it's just, <laughs> it's just a, oh, got attacked again. See, this is the kind of film. The good thing about this movie is we haven't talked enough about the positives. The good thing about this movie is it does have surrealist humor. It has all the types of humor that you need. It covers all the spectrums from silly humor to gross humor to physical humor, to surreal humor. And this is kind of movie where if that cougar attacks Michael Sarah and there's no explanation other than just a quick gag about how he has deep wounds, you have to accept that. You know, I would. This is the kind of movie if they were just like, oh yeah, here's, here's a cougar and then they just, you know, and then they just show the cougar and it's just like some old woman in a tree and jumps at him. I, I wouldn't question it in this kind of movie. I love these kind of movies because... It's definitely on the spectrum, you're right. They're, they're movies where you don't question anything. You don't. You shouldn't need to question anything, but that's why we're here. We've got to question it because Harold Ramis, you know, he made this. Where is it? Where, where is that, by the way? Where do you think? Um, Obviously... It's Canada, isn't it? It's got to be Canada. <laughs> Canada? No, no, it's obviously Egypt, well, where it's, it's nice really, and green. Well, it's year one, so it's probably, you know, Pangea or whatever. Pangea, yeah, called. you're right. Yeah. But it's not at the same time. So, yeah, this movie has a lot going for it. It is that kind of comedy where there are no are no rules. And sometimes comedies where there are no rules kind of fail, like the scary movies. They started out with comedy had no rules, and then it kind of flip-flopped and failed. And this is the kind of movie where I think it really succeeds. Like, Jack Black here, we're not even, we're not even 20 minutes in, and he's about to eat poop. I mean, yeah, and it's green too. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> what was that? He's like, it's apple. <laughs> it's clearly not the golden <laughs> apple that Jack was eating earlier. Wouldn't it be funny if it was his own poop? And he's like, no, oh, that's, that's fine. He says, oh, like, he just took it too far. Right? No, no, Jack's like licking it and now chewing into it. No. I accidentally watched the unrated version of this movie, and I don't know what the differences between that and this movie are, so we'll find out. Yeah, I don't actually know whether my DVD copy here is unrated or not. Well, but, it's an underrated the, classic, the, that's the witch, for sure. The Witch Doctor said fuck, so I don't know. Yeah, so mine also said The Witch Doctor said fuck, and I was a bit surprised that this movie actually did have fuck in there. It was a bit of a surprise. It was kind of like... You know, sometimes when you drop the F-bomb in a comedy movie, it can really make or break the joke. Isn't that right? Like, mm-hmm. don't you think? Because it's just like, if you haven't pre-established that this world is a world where you have characters or situations that can involve vulgarity of words like that, it really can be jarring. But this film, you know, they did it once and 
Boy, did they use it. I don't well, know if you saw that, but the, <laughs> the cow's legs were tied together when he jumped on it. I don't know if you, you can yeah. see that. Yeah, that, was a, that was obviously the choice of Cain. He's a very logical guy. Did you tie the cows up? When? When? <laughs> when? 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 when was I supposed to do that? So here we have one of the first very many like uh, cameos of actors who mm. are bigger than this project, really. And of course, I'm talking about David Cross. Um, an Ant Man himself. Oh, uh, you know, well, Paul would Rudd. you call him Cameo? Oh, what, Paul Rudd? No, uh, David Cross. No, nah, no, nah. he's he's like the antagonist, really. Yeah, well, he's yeah. recurring flip floppy. He's the antagonist. <laughs> he gets the like sacrifice. He gets more than once. He gets more than one timeline, and I think <laughs> I think that he gets to that puts him up a notch. Yeah, yeah it's true, and um. Paul Rudd, Ant-Man, like we mentioned, is in this movie. A lot of people... Who was the one actor or actress that appeared in this movie that you didn't expect to be in here? Anyone in particular? Hmm. Because mine was the guy who played, apparently, the Prime Minister. The guy with the stupid hat who just does all the hand gestures to the king. Oh, um, oh he had a point. David Pasquizzi. Yeah, I didn't expect him to be in this movie because I'm used to him from, like, Strangers with Candy as her, like, stepfather. And I'm like, holy shit, it's that guy. And he, in this movie, since he's wearing a hat, you don't see it's, like, full of his head. He also reminded me of, um, what's his name? The guy that's always in Wes Anderson movies all the time. The Indian guy. No. no. There are a lot of people in Wes Anderson movies. I'm to think of, uh, he was in The Piano? Was it him in The Piano? We'll figure it out while we go on. And the piano. I have my copy of Grand Prix. Sam Neill. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Neill in the classic Wes Anderson movie. No, we'll figure it out. But he reminded me of this. So there's lots of random cameos. What about you, Bartek? Was there anyone that you're like, oh, I didn't expect them to be in this? Um, from a retrospective perspective, um, at the, when I first saw this movie, I hadn't seen Superbad. So ah. not so much not that I was expecting, but I was surprised that like I look back on this and, oh, I recognise these people. And uh, McLovin was someone who I was like, I forgot he was in this. McLovin, yeah. what a great actor. Like, don't even want to bother with his real name. Christopher Mintz-Plass or something? Plintz, Mintz. McLovin. McLovin is his best role. And it's followed by a close second of when he was in... Super... No, um... Um, Fright Night. Oh, Fright Night? The remake? <laughs> yeah, he was in that as his oh, best man. friend that gets turned into a vampire. <laughs> like his nerdy best friend. Um, so, this movie has lots of twists. I and... can't wait for this to be remade, by the way. By who? When Year One gets remade. <laughs> With Jack Black still in it. <laughs> Jack of, Black is the But instead priest. of Michael Sarah, they just get Jesse Eisenberg and just call it a day. A day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's not it's not a sequel it's a reboot <laughs> you know? it's reimagining yeah yeah and instead one. this time of them leaving the village Sodom comes to the village oh, instead nice. you know like it's a, it's a flip flop world yeah yeah I like that idea I like that idea a lot who would be the director of this of this I think you could only a hologram of Harold Ramis no I think McGee the classic McGee of Charlie's Angels. Maybe, you know? a, maybe uh, a different actor who was in Ghostbusters. 
Just Dan Aykroyd, and it could be a sci-fi movie, and it's obsessed, and instead of them, yeah, they get abducted by aliens. Oh my god, this is the best, this is best. But well, it's still... look, I mean, we're, we're talking about what ifs, we're really talking about the greatest film ever, ever made, year. and that so, is year one. So why would you, why would you remake it, really? Yeah. yeah but, you know, Just it's... look at this sterling bit of dialogue here that went on for a little bit too long, <laughs> uh, this whole exchange. No, I think it went perfect. Okay, so, yeah, my, my favourite gag is is in within these was within those sequences where it cut to Michael Sarah and he just did like a facial reaction shot and it just went way too long. It was just like him and he was just like, you know Michael Sarah's face, it's awkward. Like there's no description. It's awkward even when he's trying to be cool. And it's just like him like smiling big and being like, ah because they're like, it wasn't murder. And he's like, I think it was. You're right. I really think the, f- the lack of dialogue and just holding on a face is really the epitome of the comedy in this. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I mean, it's enough for some people, as I have right here. Do you want to tell us? Yes. So, I, for this show, I try to do quizzes of these movies and, like, read the questions and see how good I am at this film and also what some of the alternate multiple-choice answers are. Sure. For this one, I did a 10-question quiz, and I got 100%. None of the answers were really that amazing. Like, one of them was, who ruled Rome at the end? Marlac. And, yeah, that was wrong. But uh, Clearly, it's not Rome. So, for the first time, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about any of the questions, but I want to read the description of this quiz. Mm-hmm. All right. So, it was made by a person, and this is the description of the quiz. <laughs> Hi. I find myself watching this movie two or three times a day. A day. <laughs> so making... A day. Wow. So <laughs> watch this film three times a day. So making a quiz on it seemed to make sense. Yeah, obviously. You've got to do something with your time. Yep. And I mean, if you don't, you're just going to start killing people. When, you, when you're in prison, you've got to do something. Do not take this quiz... Unless you have seen the movie, as it may spoil it for you. Enjoy! <laughs> uh, like, were any of the questions hard? No, I got 10 out of 10, I said. So yeah, but did you find any of them, you know, chin scratch worthy? There was, there was one question that, like, you had to... You needed more context. It was like, in the end, who was the chosen one? And We all were. Uh, yeah, and the answer was everybody. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wrote that in my notes, like, is he chosen? Who are we all chosen? Who is the chosen one? Well, that's the moral of the film. We'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take a moment. Look at that. Look at that face. Harold Ramis there. His last acting role. His last direct. Last director directorial role. <sighs> and what a legend he was. Bartek, do you know who Harold Ramis is? Um, he's probably one of those people who I've seen in a lot of things, but I know that he was. <sighs> yeah. He was Egon in Ghostbusters. He was this character right here. Um, I was going to say Abraham, but that's a later character. He's Adam. Adam, that's it. As in Adam. Adam of Adam. Mm-hmm. Adam of Adam. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, Howard Ramis, you know, I think he's oh, he's, he's more of a behind-the-scenes kind of worker, isn't he? Like, he's not that guy that you'd be like, oh, I would know what he looks like outside. If it wasn't for Ghostbusters, let's be honest, I don't think anyone would really kind of know what he looks like unless they really went in-depth with this kind of stuff, you know? Jesus. But <laughs> Jesus is not in this movie, but Howard Ramis as Adam is... But, um, yeah. Oh, Ramis, of course, getting his start at Second City in Chicago. Yeah. Becoming a writer. He sort of ditched improv for writing. Wrote, uh, wrote and directed Animal House. Went on to do Meatballs. Mm, uh, meatballs. And then this film. <laughs> no, there was stuff in between. <laughs> Didn't he do an animated Rodney Dangerfield movie where he was a dog? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. It was the best movie ever. 
And uh, Caddyshack too. <laughs> Look at Jack Black. He's really been working out here. That's great. <laughs> Jack Black is one of those guys where he can really pull off being tubby. You know what I mean? And mm. just like, I'll be honest, this film kind of reminded me of how fat he was because they make so many jokes about it. Well, oddly enough, when I think of Jack Black movies, I don't think of jokes about his weight being prevalent in them. Which I think is kind of neat, you know, because like, you know, like... It's so easy to be typecast as this so, that just gonna say, tubby that, guy. That's a great bit of scripting there. All my all my brain blood was in my boner. <laughs> I think that that's the. <laughs> now, do you think here's a question? Do you think that was scripted or do you think it was ad lib? Ad lib could be. No, I don't, I don't know. It's you don't of... think his character is smart enough to know how blood works and like the biological structure of the human they body? They believe that the world ended beyond the mountains, but he has a clear understanding of the human respiratory system. Again, I love the fact that the comedy is just layered, so many layers. It goes straight from a uh, whoops, she's a lesbian gag to... To shitting to, oneself to, to fart, fart. To fart, fart gags. It's There's just, no in between. Look at that terrible swing of David <laughs> Cross. He just cannot cut wood. He, well, he has grown up in the city. Look at that. Well, in all fairness, I think it is... No. <laughs> he, he cuts wood like a stand-up. <laughs> I mean... No, I think in all fairness, that is a choice of the actor and the director because... Kane, throughout this movie, is, you know, a slacker. He doesn't actually work very hard. It seemed like Abel was the worker. So I'm just getting distracted by this guy fighting a goat, fighting goat, goat, in, goat in the background. There's a bit of goat, <laughs> goat He's still fighting him. Look at that. And he's gone. <laughs> gone. He just disappeared. The goat went. Uh, so, you know, um, I felt like him not being able to swing the axe very well, it's very multi-layered when it comes to character, because I think it's very true to the character. If I saw Kane being able to actually do, like, physical labour, I wouldn't believe it, because I think, you know, he's too smart for that. He's too tricky, slippery to actually just be stuck doing physical work. He would get other people to do it, or say that he did it, and only did a portion of it. Right, sure. you accidentally just revealed the subtle joke. What? The first thing you said there was... Kane being able. Oh, um, yeah, there you go. I guess that's that is such a multi-layered joke. Yeah, the Old Testament was full of laughs. Old Kane was good. What was Kaning? Um, did this happen? Did he get struck by lightning? I'm not really up to date on my Kane. Didn't he have like a mark of a murderer or something? Probably. Yeah, that's probably it then, because every time it's brought up, he immediately says, "I didn't kill my brother." And he didn't. Obviously, it was an accident. Ran into the rock a lot of times. play, as they said several times in a row. Now, Liam, you're an aficionado on comedy. I mean, yes. you, you you teach it, I guess, and you do all this stuff. Sure. Repetition is a part of comedy. Yes. And you, this, sure. film, this film uses lots of repetition. Yes. How does the use of repetition in scenes in this movie help elevate the comedy in your brain? I think I think it just, it really, uh, it cries out of like... Uh, we will keep doing this until you laugh. Yeah. It's, it's it's more of a defiant thing. Of so like, you would say this screw is kind of you. Like, this is kind of like punk comedy. We're going to do it again. and We're just going to use the same gag again and again and again until you laugh. Yeah. So it's kind of like that Tim and Eric kind of comedy? Yeah, or is it kind of like that Andy Kaufman kind of comedy where he'll just yeah. read Great Gatsby to you? I to think you it's doing a great like disservice to Tim and Eric and Andy Kaufman. <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I think this, this is, is a standalone there. film. You cannot compare it really. It's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But comedy still has roots within other sure. other things, you know? So The repetition... Well, yeah. I guess the only repetition really is the, uh, is the uh, classic... Uh, 
I need to to lay with the woman. Yeah, and he like, gets frustrated at that's every That's their turn, version. Yeah. That, that in comedy standing is is right up there with, you know, who's on second, you know? Like, mm. it's right up there in that level actually, of genius. It, it ticks all the boxes for American comedy, so if you look at it, it's like you've mm. got the buddy, the buddy system, you've got the uh, mass approval moment at the end of, of mm. the crowd, uh, you've got, you know, I'm so digs at lesbians, this. gays, and goats. It's fantastic. It's good. Let's everything. not forget also racism. And racism, yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody's favorite. Um, I'm so glad that you mentioned the whole American comedy thing because a lot of the reviews I found for this movie made great comparisons to Monty Python. Really? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And wow. you shall enjoy that. Um, yeah, so, you know, you have that opinion, other people have those opinions, maybe in, we're all right, maybe it's that, Canadian in, comedy, which is the in-between yeah. of both, because you clearly said it in Canada earlier. I think clearly, uh, Monty Python did a film called Life in, Li- uh, The Life of Brian, mm-hmm. and this is set around the same time, so the comparisons mm. are striking. Striking, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's striking. So, of course, here's one of the things... Jack Black's infatuated with two people, and that causes a lot of the problems. He's infatuated with this princess that he does meet quite late in the story. Sure. And he's infatuated with um Maya. Maya. Who, you know, sure. She doesn't shot, she way. doesn't like it's like Ben Hur. She doesn't like him and there's no real reason for them to like each other other than he has uh, as we quoted what was it? Blood in his boner? Yeah. Brain blood in his boner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, there's a moment later on in the film where Jack Black actually does brush his erection against the princess when they hug goodbye. And she's like, okay, jeez. Right. So, you know, this is the type of... So, these Hello, are not... Hello, Romans. They're not Romans, Look though. at that. Well, well, what are they then? They're just... They're sodomites. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. Well, no, no, in all fairness, though, the whole brush-head Roman thing didn't just originate with just the Romans. They incorporated that using all the mighty cultures of other things to make themselves great. So, Spit if you and polish re- for all your educational needs. Look at that. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, the idea that these guys are Romans can be very... You know, it's easy to be misled by that idea because we're used to the aesthetics of Romans, but they have other things going on as well that aren't so Roman, like in the ideas of what we understand to be Romans. You like, know, like the chariots, the red capes. Well, no, but, like, look at Vinnie Jones here. Like, he doesn't... Like, he's supposed to be their Roman commander dude, but he doesn't look as, like, you know, the idea of what we understand Roman commander dudes in popular culture stuff to be like, you know, very, like rich looking and upper classy and all that kind of shit and still mean I don't know why Jack Black has um, sand all over his face it's supposed to be a cocaine reference this is it's hilarious it is up there with Tropic Thunder it's like he's just stepped off Scarface wow could you imagine Jack Black's Scarface <laughs> His little friend being <laughs> to my little friend. No, but he would say it like you know how Jack Black says things where he would just be like, you know, he'd be like, say hello to my little friend, and he just shouts it. He does that thing where he's say like, hello to my little friend, and, it's and he does that thing where he does blood. that like that quiver in his singing voice kind of thing. He was like, say hello to my little friend. Yeah, it's like, jeez. This was a good gag. That was, yeah. say, this was a very funny gag. I, I, yeah, it was a gag that I did not expect to happen either. Like, it seems so <laughs> obvious, but you still don't expect it until it happens. And what was the line? Even even warriors have to sleep. Even warriors have to sleep. And yeah. both of them, who are Fellas. very much opposites, 
went to sleep. So it says that these two do have the heart of a warrior in them. Yeah, yeah. While still being a funny gag. And they somehow managed to, you know, know where to walk. Considering they have no knowledge of navigation. Well, Ryan, you forgot. Everyone is the chosen one. Yes, true. But he is the chosen one, especially. Mm -hmm. So here we go. McLovin's finally here. Everybody's favourite actor. Mm -hmm. Um, Along with Hank. Oh, Hank. We all know Hank, don't we? Yeah, everyone on The Simpsons except some people. Yeah, so Moe sounds like Moe and Krusty at the same time in this movie. One of my favourite things I wrote down so many times in my note was God. Because he says God a lot. Or the Lord. No, mainly God. And he's like, my God! And he just says it in this way where it's like the word God is being spat at you. It's like, I'm going to sacrifice you in the name of my God! So you brought up Monty Python earlier, isn't this sort of... Yes, yeah, very Monty, Monty yeah. Python-esque, where it's like, no, it wasn't, mm. we were just going to play... What was it? Stabby, stabby, burny, burny. You know, that classic stabby, stabby, burny, burny. Mm-hmm. So we all are familiar with the biblical stories that they're making fun of in this movie. There's not yeah. one of them that flew over anyone's head, no. no. I think I got them all. Yeah. Good for you. Did you, Ryan? Obviously. Um, you know, but lesser, you know, people who may not be as... Wait, familiar. wait, this is based on the Bible. What? No, I mean Old Testament. <laughs> it's an adaptation. All right. That's a sequel. It's sure. the New Testament, <laughs> where they somehow leap to, like, Jesus times. Yeah. yeah. So, so biblical, Old Testament-y. And, you know, in the film, they don't really establish if God is there. Sure. I think that's very interesting because they've established that, you know, like they've used the backdrop of, you know, a time in which people were more prevalent to the belief of God. And, you know, they don't even know. There's a point where Jack Black even says God or gods, whichever one, yeah. you know, he doesn't even know anymore. Well, he's a simple hunt- hunter. Yeah. My, yeah. Michael, a... yeah. In that scene, though, that you were just talking about, Ryan, Michael Sarah does say a line along the lines of, uh, Maybe God stepped out or something. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the idea of the film. God stepped out. No, I think Jack Black said that, and he's like, "No, how would God step out? I mean, he's if he's God, he can create anything from nothing. Why would he need to step out all the time?" Which is a good question. This film is a real kind of, you know, a a handbook for like religious studies. Religious studies. (laughs) No, no, because it deals with both sides. The the positives of devout belief and the negatives of that also. Well, it's also being a historical timepiece and, of course, a, a great satire. And also showing the side of atheism. Sure. So it's, you know, it's a really thought-provoking piece yeah. of, of I think that's what they set out to do, actually. Yeah. I mean, you know, Harold Ramis, you know. I mean, yeah. I don't know what his take on religion was at the end of the day. But, you know, I imagine, you know, maybe maybe if we did further research into that, it would answer a lot of the questions that this film provokes. But at the same time, where does Death of the Author stand in? And I'm not being rude, I know Howard Ramis is dead, but, you know, like, where do you think he would have stood on religion? Do you know by any chance? Probably on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> on the edge of it. Well, the, well, this movie is very edgy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, we just had Howard, you know, Howard Ramis directed Hexari there to be very menacing and close to the camera. I mean, it was an yeah. emotional emotional piece. So, Bartek, when you were watching this... Was the first it, time or yesterday? Either time. Okay. Was there anything that stood out to you? Anything that you found really, really good or engaging or even peculiar? So this movie does a spin on a lot of kind of 
modern... This is kind of related to the American comedy thing. A modern day jokes, but done in, quote, year one. Like when they're heading towards Sodom and Christopher McLovin follows them. And he he describes his familiarity with Sodom as being him and his buddies sneaking out to go to Sodom and, you know, having some drinks. That's like like a modern day kind of thing. Like, Mm. oh, you know, we snuck out making sure Dad wasn't watching to get drinks and stuff like that. So there was a lot of stuff like that in this film. And uh, even this scene right here is talking about circumcision. Mm. It's like... Obviously, that had to start somewhere. Well, yeah. And maybe it started as a really awkward thing. Maybe it wasn't a... Well, we God can... is doing this, we have to do this now. That kind of reference, referential thing of the modern-day humour into historical or other-time things goes way back into Hollywood. I mean, thanks to like Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, that's probably why we have that type of humour in, in Hollywood movies where they use modern slang and yeah. modern references and talk about things such as talking about going to Sodom like it was a nightclub. Yes, but, but in this movie, it really feels like it hit that later 2000s, kind of the modern day kind mm. of uh, referential humour, you know? Yeah, I, I completely understand, you know? And I feel like, you know, Liam, you're into... It's almost, it's almost like a string of sketches held together by a very flimsy premise. But it's not that flimsy. Set. It's no, not that flimsy. Clearly not that flimsy. Now, you Liam, you're into impro and improvisation. Sure. And I think it's fair to say that a lot of modern comedies such as Year One and 40-Year-Old Virgin and Hangover and all these ones that we did have a little mention of before mm. and modern comedy now really set in stone of ad-lib like they have a loose plot and they just get actors like will ferrell and jack black and go right here's an idea of the scene just do the take a hundred million times in funny ways and we'll get that together do you think that's a um do you think this style of comedy of impro kind of evolving into this way into cinema is is good or detrimental it's, to it's, comedy uh, and films you know what it's a weird I'm not sure I've made up my mind about that yet because it's still a bit early to tell. Mm-hmm. But the it certainly is it certainly is starting to change the face of comedy films. Yeah. Because there's a lot of fat in films now, I reckon. Mm. Whereas once upon a time they would strip back, they mm. would write out the joke perhaps the weaker jokes or the things that didn't work. And now of course because the 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 when digital came along and you mm. didn't have to worry about the cost of film suddenly you could do as many takes as you want etc and especially Apatow and his company and and also a lot of his uh, uh, peers have that idea of well let's just keep going until we find the gold and it comes out of it comes out of that idea of of people being comfortable with the philosophy of improvisation as well. So they mm. go, we know we can do this. We know yeah. we know we can keep trying until we find something else. Yeah. And then I just feel sorry for the editors, though. Yeah. They have to sit through, like, hours. Have you ever tried to sit through the uh, the deleted scenes from um, Spinal Tap? No. It's like another whole movie. There's <laughs> another whole movie there of... I've tried to sit through the same thing. Well, they did that with Anchorman. They, yeah. like, recut and made another movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like Essentially, The yeah. legend continued, like, yeah. whatever. It's just like, jeez. Um, I find it weird. You just said it's too early to tell. Mm. This style, this specific style, this kind of brand, the, what we're watching right now, has been going on for what is, like, nearly over ten years. But if you compare this to uh, a movie today from the Upper Town, like, like... 
this was one hour, whatever it is. What is it? It's one hour thirty-five. One hour thirty-five. An Apatow film now goes for at least two hours. Oh my god! And yeah. a lot of that, a lot of that stuff is like you could just drop on the editing room. Well, in all fairness, in Apatow's defense, I feel like he specifically, in comparison to say Ramus here, will have comedy, blah blah blah. But you know, he will have dramatic moments in the films. You know, there are more meat yeah, to yeah. the bones. In comparison to say this and yes. something like you know, you'll find the dark and the, and the light. You'll find you know the dark and light. You know, like uh, he did Forty Old Virgin, didn't he? Like that film has a lot of you know great serious moments in in it as well. Like when you rewatch that, you kind of forget like oh yeah, but then you. But watch... again, the premise is a one joke film, and it yeah. just kind of spirals it out to how much can we get in there. And since you're big into into impro, do do you have and you've been on films and, and TV and all that? Do you find how does it feel to do impro? Have you had to do impro for film and TV? stuff yourself I was on the second season of Thank God You're Here Mm. and uh, that was a really interesting kind of uh, uh, experience because it was not anti-impro but it was it was using the elements of impro when it doesn't work for comedy yeah so people so if you if you look at it this is getting so off the track of year one but uh, if you look at it year one raises all these questions it does it really does um, they have guests who some are really good at improvisation and some mm. who are like a deer in the headlights mm. and the, 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 the fact is that audiences love it when you fly and they also love it when you fail mm. so so thank God you here had the best of both worlds and so they would have one person who would go with it and one person who would fail and the audience was like, great, either way. Yeah. So it's like an improviser's gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because for me, you know, like, um, you know, I, I like I like impro. I like seeing it live uh, in comparison to film. My main problem is, you know, I have a you know very large taste in, in, in you know, comedies and films and TV shows and all that. And this style of, for me, I've made up my mind when it comes to the style of comedy. I don't... I don't love it. I kind of miss really well-written comedy where you can sit sure. down and went, they really thought about this beforehand. Well, year one, as much as I do love it, there's no thought put into it as much as uh, as other comedies. And I think that is one of the strengths of year one at the same time. You know, a lot of critics out there were, you know, making comments about it, and we have even jokingly that it's lazy and trite and all this. But at the same time, Every decade, every year, there has to be that one comedy that's just like, I'm just here to make you laugh. I'm not here to make you think or make you feel anything. I'm just here to make you, I'm just here to entertain you. There's no, comedy doesn't always have to have a deep existential meaning to it or doesn't always have to have like a giant theme or message or whatever. It's just like, if this is a funny idea, let's do it. And like you said, this kind of feels like sketches in between with like a, a plot in between. Yeah, they've thrown everything in much the way, uh, not, not, not in the same extent, to the same extent, but... In the way that something like Flying High or those early films... Yeah, or even Life of Brian. Life of Brian would just do like gag, 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 gag. This is kind of... This has got a little bit more sort of storyline propping it up. But yeah. at the same time, they are trying to fit in as much as they can. Yeah, they're trying to get in as much as they can. You know, they're just trying to shove as much in there as they can get in. And I think I commend them on that. Yeah, and even the main characters themselves. There are two different kinds of comedic actors. You've got the loud, crazy Jack Black and the Michael Sarah who's just, he really embraces the whole 
awkward. Well, they're your typical, they're your typical, you know, silly and straight man kind of thing going on. You know, your Abbott Costello and all that. You know, you know, you got the one who's big and boisterous and you know, idiotic, and you got the like smaller, meek one who's the more logical one, but he's you know, he he can't get a word in. Elsewise, you know that yeah. that's the kind of dynamic that's always been there, and they're using that to their benefit. Because if you had to name anyone who's like the big, loud, boisterous comedy legend, it's Jack Black, and especially at this time. Yeah. And then if you had to think of like a meek, weakling dude who can do a good straight man, it's Michael Sarah. I mean, he was doing super bad. He was doing all this stuff and Arrested Development. You know, like him. He's, Bam. he's good at being the main character who wants to get laid. Who Michael? <laughs> Michael Sarah, yeah. Super bad. This. I love. Um, was it? This is the end where he yeah. plays himself. Yeah. He's like the, the biggest totally the asshole. Yeah, it's great. That's a great movie. Uh, yeah. So here we have finally entered into the whole room of the great characters. Yes. So Adrian Brody. That's who he reminds me of. Oh, he reminds right. me of, like with his, he is the with Dave his... and TJ and Dave, the the improv uh, duo that are te- currently taking over the uh, the sort of superstars at the moment in the improv world in Chicago. Nice, because they do this long form comedy, which is uh, slow and steady and and really, uh, really, really. Um, the, a lot of people are coming to see them. That's great. They've just written a book too about it, actually. That's awesome. I've been a fan of his since, like, Strangers with Candy, and he plays, like, Stu yeah. the Meat Man, and he just refuses to leave. Um, you he, know. he came up with Carell and uh, all those guys in Second City at the same time. Yeah. He was like, I don't know why I did not expect him to be in this movie, but when he popped up, I'm like, hey, look, it's Stu the Meat Man. I love this guy. I loved him in this movie. He was my favourite character. And he's apparently the Prime Minister, which confuses me greatly. Yeah. Yeah. But he's the Prime Minister. Great hand acting, I should point Where he's just all hand acting yeah. and going, mm, yes, mm, yeah, yes, yeah. Mm, yes, mm. And, you know, Vinnie Jones, I will say... He's the most, uh, I think, in all fairness, in the world of silliness that this comedy has, he's the one playing it, like, full-on straight. Like, he's like, I am a soldier. Like, and you got to appreciate that because you do need one person in the world of cartoons to be a person, and Vinnie Jones is that one guy. Like, there's never a silly moment with yeah, Vinnie. No. Even, yeah, even when he asks... Are you a girl? Do you want to kiss me? It, it's threatening. It is. Thre- I was threatened, and then Michael Sarah makes it funny, and you know, so does Jack Black. But like, he's genuinely like on edge, terrifying in this movie. Like, I'm like, I don't want to mess with. Well, in all fairness, no one wants to mess with Vinnie Jones. No. I think he's a scary guy. Even when he was a soccer player, he was a scary guy. Do you know when he was a soccer player? He, one of his big legendary things was he like tackled this guy and like went underneath and in between his legs and he was sliding under he just grabbed this dude by his testicles and dragged him down with him and he got a red card for that what a, what a classy guy Vinny <laughs> <laughs> Jones classy guy uh, I think you know that's the real title of this movie I want a movie where it's just Vinny Jones as the main character and you know he's he's living a hard life but he's a good guy deep down you know that kind of rags to riches kind of thing surely there's one a film out there like that with Vinnie Jones it has to be Snatch yeah you're yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels yeah. you're completely correct he's got a son in that one yeah so there's lots of things going on now look I don't... first appearance of the great Australian actress Gia Caridis look at that yes I did notice yeah. her I looked her up and I'm like who is this person I'm like oh yes yes it's all coming back I like the king is 
what kind of aesthetic would you say the king has? Because he's got a European king th- thing going on, but they're clearly in Egypt or like well, you know, this is this African is this is Middle East. This is an issue that has plagued Hollywood right up to today, isn't it? Really? <laughs> why is that? Like, why can't they figure it out? I mean, it's just it seems like it's such an easy thing to understand. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like well, she's got an Egyptian thing going on with like her eyeliner and her like little tiara thing going on here he has like a aztec thing going sure. on like why can't they decide would he, would <laughs> i love this guy too actually. Matt, matt uh what's his name matt uh oh God, i, I always know. see him and i just never remember his name he's one of the original founders of the ucb the upright citizens brigade and in New York. Ooh, he's okay. just in this he's like i'm trying to watch with my fan this is very life of yeah. brian-esque where they're like listening to yeah. jesus and there's just like Big nose. It's just like this is this yeah. is very similar. I can see why people make that connection between Monty Python and this. Sure. It's, it's very easy. He, he's basically like at a football game in this scene. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude! I'm trying to enjoy this with my family. Oh, with my family, I <laughs> he was actually one of my things that made me laugh quite a lot, actually, because I didn't expect that to happen. If I had to make a criticism of this movie, it's not what is missing; it's who is missing. With films like these, there's always that one comedic actor mm. or one or two people that you think, if that person was in it, this would increase by 10 points. And that person, for me, I think the king should have easily been cast with Fred Willard. Who sure. He's, yeah. he's amazing. You know Fred Willard? Yeah. I love Fred Willard. I think, oh, where was he in this movie? I'm always happy when I see him because I don't see him that often. I, I'm happy when I see him because he looks happy all the time, even <laughs> when right. he's saying terrible things. And I think that's what one of the main criticisms is, is like someone should have been in this movie in a minimal role making it great because with Fred Willard, <laughs> he, he always makes them great. <laughs> that, that is a lot of the cast. You gotta, yeah. I have to admit, a lot of people are in this film trying to make it great. No. And it's not working so... I mean, it, it is. It's, it is it's the greatest film ever. You're not seeing David but... Cross? <laughs> no, but like the king and like the whole royal court, they barely do much. Like Stu, he didn't do much. It's sure. really upsetting because uh, and here he is. Kyle Gas <laughs> with his testicles. I love the fact that the bag is shaped like a little testicle. It's great. What else would it be like? So yeah, this you know I'm not saying that this film inspired you know Game of Thrones. But oh, why is it that... I, th- I think, I think you know, I think you just stumbled onto something there. Look at that. Why is it that all eunuchs are bald? Can eunuchs not grow hair? Yeah, it's directly related to the lack of testicles. <laughs> is it? I don't know. Yeah. You always see them, they're always bald. Is that just like, yep, once you don't have testicles, you can't grow it's, hair it's, on your head? It's yeah. to play around the idea that he's had things cut off. Yeah, his yeah cut but... Off. If Plus, any... his head looks like a big testicle. <laughs> to make up in, but not fair it's like in Game of Thrones and in old Hollywood and new Hollywood every time there's a eunuch involved they're always yeah. fat and bald or muscular and bald there's no just like maybe skinny guy who's maybe bald maybe that's just like the uh, the standard thing of like cut off his balls and, cut and shave his head well according to Mel Brooks History of the World Part 1 once you get the snip you enlarge in size apparently sure. and if I had to get my knowledge on eunuchs I would get it from a Mel Brooks movie that's yeah, that's also one of the comments is lots of people like, this is very Mel Brooks comedy, comedy. and I'm like, indeed it is. Because Mel Brooks stopped. It is in the same stopped. vein, yeah. It Mel is. Brooks stopped after Dracula dead and loving it, and there's been a hole in cinema <laughs> since. <laughs> oh, this... I've, still, I've still got my fingers crossed for Spaceballs 2, don't worry. Oh, we always yeah. got to cross. Yeah. yeah. I mean, another person who should have been in this movie was Leslie Nielsen. Where was Leslie in this movie? Did he die by this stage? No. No. No, no, I think he had he a was, few He died left. in like 2011 yeah. or 12. 
By the way, Maya, who who in this, yeah, uh, is a great actress, and she has her own podcast. I How did this get made? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I listen to it. It's Inter- great. Interesting premise. Yeah, hmm. it is. It is, and I like you know that that podcast is one of the reasons why I want to do this one. But I was like, we got to do full length audio commentary on on these films and really dig deep down into them because these are films that. They're not, in the eyes of the public, are not the greatest, but they're also not the worst. There's just something about them that falls underneath the radar, and why is that? Why does it always happen? There's always movies that get advertised, and this movie got advertised heaps and heaps and heaps, and you just never hear anyone ever talk about it. You're just like, well, it had all the elements, like Jack Black and Michael Sarah and Howard Ramis and Paul Rudd and all these people, and the concept is not bad. This idea of these two... Neanderthal dudes kind of stumbling into the Old Testament world yeah. and seeing it from a different perspective. It's not a bad concept. So where did it fail for if the general was, public? If it was made in 1989 <laughs> or 1945. 1980, 1980, 1980, 1980, 1980, 1980, 1980, 1980, 1980, 1980, it's 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 comedy 101 with a lot of it. Yeah, but I think for general public mass, comedy 101 does very well because big comedies that are doing very well right now, like uh, just basic ones, like there hasn't for me been a comedy like an actual one that's built as a proper comedy at the cinema that's really knocked my socks off in ages, but knocks everyone else's socks off. Like for me, I'm in the minority when I say I hate Step Brothers so much. Sure. Well, again, that's but, that's a film that lacks. It lacks the uh, clarity. But that's considered a modern classic. Mm, It's debatable. (laughs) (laughs) Debatable, but true. I saw it with my stepbrother in the cinema and we laughed. (laughs) And that's a 10 out of 10 review from (laughs) Bartek. When you saw this, did you laugh? I I must have, because it's very funny. I must have. Um, I think I laughed out loud about three three moments. There are three three distinct places where I... What moments were those? Where a guffaw came out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, they, when he hit her on the head earlier on, <laughs> and it didn't work, and she hits him back. That was that was a great moment. Mm. Uh, and I think the throwing of the testicles. Okay, the thing about the testicles that made it funny for me was actually the line delivery from the king, where he's like, "Did he just throw his ball at him?" Was that the high priest? No, the king. Oh, I thought the, the high priest said it. No, there's the king. He's like stroking his beard. He's like, "Did he just throw his ball?" At and him? the thing is, is the, the fierce determination of Oliver Platt to get his chest oiled. I mean, that, was, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Oliver Platt is every laugh out loud moment in this movie He's for great. me yeah. I think and my favourite moment was when um, oh. when they were going to get <laughs> <laughs> what a look at that what a chest <laughs> when they were going to get stoned and they didn't go for the obvious joke of oh we're sure. going to smoke or whatever um, but <laughs> apparently Jack Black saying let one person do it was enough for them to say yeah fair enough one person has to do yeah. it <laughs> and, he, and he chose like a the kid shows. and the uh, and the unit. one thing that did make me laugh was 
that kid has a hell of an arm. <laughs> that actually got me. That was the repetition that worked quite well. The, 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 the kid, the kid um, made me laugh because he was so keen. Like that was like the thing about it. Like he watched the murders someone. I actually did like David Cross made me laugh quite hard in this movie when he said. Um, when he's listing out all the crimes that they're done and you just listen to them and they're just all rhyming words that have yeah. no context and he just goes leprosy and, and sodomy and they're like oh what is like oh sorry refusal of sodomy and they're like yeah boo puppetry. I love that puppetry <laughs> yeah. yeah some of them aren't caught by the subtitles calligraphy I are. think calligraphy was one like no not calligraphy um, are we assuming that people have watched this as they listen to us do? Um, they should have. Because we've just done a whole bunch of spoilers. Uh, tough for them. I think if you guys, <laughs> I told you at the start, you know, if you have not seen you one and you don't own a copy of it, shame on you. How Ramus would be literally rolling in his grave or urn or whatever. I don't know what he decided to do with his body afterwards. It's not that in hard, disgust. guys. It's not that hard. I found a copy for $2 at a cash converters and I got half off. Half. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole dollar he saved. Thank you. That's, that's yeah, one dollar. That's what the movie should be called for Bartek. Jeez. So, this movie has love triangles in it, left and right, you know? Does it? Jack Black's in a love triangle. He doesn't know which one... He's of in his... a triangle. He's in a love triangle, because he doesn't know which one he wants the bone with his blood boner. Uh, I mean... <laughs> no brain blood in his boner, Ryan. Yeah, get it right, Ryan. <laughs> oh, get the fuck out of here, Ryan. You get it right. You gotta quote the script. Get it right. This no, is, no. This is you get quality the quality line. You get the feel of thing. I will be honest. Jack Black, I found he grew on me in this movie. At the start, I didn't really connect with him as much as I think the film would have liked me of to. But I felt like what really connected me was his understanding of being chosen. I think that really made his character a three-dimensional character. Well, at the start, he was selfish, two-dimensional, and that's just part of basic 101 of character development. His character grows. At first, I think he is supposed to be grating, and he is supposed to be annoying, and you're not supposed to like him. You're supposed to empathize with Michael Sarah, who's the straight-head logical one, but as it goes on, you realize Jack Black you think, you think his character grew, do you? No, because... The, the, the character development of this film is, yeah. is enormous, isn't it? Yeah, well, really... It, look, it might be sudden at the end, but it happens. No, 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 think about it. I think it grows with how, I think, how no, clean his hair gets. No, no, no. I think what happens with Jack Black is he becomes less grating. And what I think is, yeah, he still does stupid things, but that doesn't, like, with comedy, stupid guy's a stupid guy forever. You don't want, at the end of the movie, the stupid guy's... A normal genius. You don't want that. That doesn't usually work. You don't want. You don't want that. You don't want that. Michael Sarah is the guy who should develop, but he Jack Black develops too, and he helps Michael Sarah because if it wasn't for Jack Black, he would never have left the village. He would never have lost his virginity to right. his sister. He never would have developed or moved because Michael Sarah was happy in his shell. Jack Black helped this movie progress in a good fashion and I think he really did grow and develop because he could have easily become a dictator if this movie didn't show his development because at the end when he was like pretty much leading up to being a dictator you fear me it seems like, well, that character at the start that we met, that we still are familiar with, that seems logical for him. But at the same time, it didn't feel right, as it didn't feel right with Michael Sarah, because the character we've watched since The Village wouldn't become this person. But it's also the downfall of the film, because normally uh, American comedy, or any American film, 
will lead up to that uh, mass audience approval mm. moment where we all accept you as one of us. Mm. That's every American film. And, and, and what happens in this film is that he does it four or five times with each pr- proclamation. Mm. And so by the time he gets to the end of it and he says, you know what, you can all be yourself, everyone goes, oh, I don't really want to be that. Uh, and uh, it actually ends the film on a downward note as opposed to the normal yeah, well, upward we are all one no yeah, one is individual uh, yeah that that's true but yeah and again you know what the funny thing is you have you have the knowledge that after he rides out of town Sodom is gonna get yeah. fucking pulverized <laughs> I, was, I was disappointed I was waiting for that moment and it never came I never did um here's something I really love you were talking about American films do that there's this Korean North Korean movie where Kim Jong Kim Jong Il kidnapped a film director and producer yeah. and he made them make their version of Godzilla and the story <laughs> of this film is great where the Godzilla monster helps the rebels take down the evil corrupt kingdom right and install a new great communist regime but the filmmakers secretly had a subtle thing that was anti-communism because they fucking got kidnapped where the Godzilla monster after helping them refuses to leave sits down in a giant throne and demands to be fed all the iron and tears of the citizens (laughs) (laughs) and he becomes a fat corrupt monster (laughs) now that movie this movie could have ended with that with Jack Black refusing and he because like I really think that this movie could have taken a really great weird direction like I mentioned before Anything's possible. If Jack Black did become a dictator, like I said, it's not too far out of character, but it's just enough for you to feel uneasy. But that's what happens with these dictators. They think, oh, I'm chosen, or, oh, I'm the leader, or they're convinced of, you know, they're big enough for this, and then they turn corrupt. And I think if that happened at the end of this movie, and then they had a sequel called Year Two, and it's about, like, Jack Black, and they're trying to save him from his own, like, desires of power, it'd be a great film. I think you should write that film, Ryan. Uh, yeah, Jack Black, that. Citizen Kane. <laughs> Underline it. Like, yeah. I like how Michael Sarah waited two hours for Jack Black to come and then he wiped the hair off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it took him 64 minutes into the film to finally snap at Jack Black and basically tell him to go fuck himself. Because <laughs> I was, okay, I'll be honest, Jack Black, somebody needed to tell him to shut up. And the only person doing that was, was Marlock. Mm-hmm. And all he said was, I'll kill you when you stand. It's I like, really, oh, just do it. I really expected something to happen at this scene, and nothing did. I really expected that this, this penis thing to be like a, a lever thing, that when mm. he pulled it, no, some it's a, secret... It's a, it's a beautiful homage to the Goonies. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> really I was really just expecting, like, he was going to pull this thing, the dick. <laughs> He's going to pull it, and then a door would open, and it would show, like, the high priest was doing something corrupt or evil, and then they'll be like, look, he's a liar, because he didn't want anyone in there. See, that's what I needed more writers, Ryan. I needed more writers. Well, I don't know how many movie this, how many writers this movie There's had. three. Albert Ramis and two other guys. Who are the other guys? It's <laughs> just like... Uh, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray? No, I knew no, it. It's no. Ghostbusters 3. <laughs> well, they, they, they went on to write for The Office, and, and that was that was all I think. But, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. What a good career move, The Office. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they haven't done much else since. Oh, that's upsetting, because this film, you know, it is a promising start, you know? Like, if you were starting out and you wrote this, it wouldn't be a bad one to put on there. Like, it's a well-known film. Like, yeah, sure, sure it didn't go too well. And some 
some of the writing could be better, but you could just be like, that was Hal Ramis, not me. And then they'll be like, oh, it is true. I mean, he hasn't made a good movie since... <laughs> it's nothing like on a resume going, I didn't write this bit. No, I didn't write this bit either. <laughs> Note down, I wrote this scene, and they're like have the minutes and say what the scene is like the really funny one it's like remember that classic scene where Michael Sarah pisses on himself I wrote that do you remember that scene where Michael Sarah just pulls a funny face for like longer than he should have I wrote that I told him to do that, that remember when Jack Black eats the shit he improvised that that was Harold Ramis uh, Harold Ramis yeah. Yeah, stood on set Squatted down, did a deuce, and said, "Eat this." And he put Eat green this. in it, though. To make and it then healthy. no, because he did Ghostbusters, so there's obviously okay. green slime in his shit all the time because he's never ever done a better project than Ghostbusters One. Fecal matter, fecal matter is hilarious in any I language. I think you know what this movie is reminding me of. Ghostbusters, and when I think of Ghostbusters, it reminds me of I miss Rick Moranis. He should have been in this movie as the king. That is, that is. Could you imagine like they they pan the camera to the king and he's sitting from behind and he turns his head around. He's got those big glasses on. It's kind of like Spaceballs where he lifts up his helmet. He's still got the big doofy glasses on, and he's just like Rick Moranis, but he's supposed to be intimidating. And that's like the best Rick Moranis is intimidating Rick Moranis, like into the fire Rick Moranis. Parenthood, Rick Moranis, where he's mean. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think, you know, this film... My Blue Heaven. I love My Blue Heaven, actually. (laughs) Why are you laughing? I'm going to play against type and see how that works. Look at those hairless rats. What was with that? (laughs) Why are there hairless rats Because it's Egypt. They're eunuchs. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this... no, I read there was a blooper in this scene coming up where where a ha- when he's when he's urinating on himself, a hand suddenly comes into the screen. <laughs> I, I, I I don't remember it, but uh, I'd be interested to see if that does happen. Yeah, I, I think I think I read that as well. It's like the lower right hand or something mm. or corner of the screen. I maybe. just love the fact that he's like, close your mouth. So he does, and he drowns because it goes into his <laughs> nose. <laughs> and it's, you know what? It's good casting because you know why. Michael Sarah's face is so peculiar that you don't really realize that he has a giant nose. Like considering sure. the rest of his face, he's got a small face because he has no real chin. So it gives the illusion that his face is small because his hair cut. Even though he's wearing the stupid long-haired wig and now his hair has been cut, yeah. it gives the illusion that his head is quite little and that his face is small for his head. Right. So he's got this, this is not something I've spent a lot of time thinking about. But think about yeah. it, think about it, because I've had to stare at this face for 68 minutes, <laughs> and I've had to think about it quite a lot. And he's got a fairly large nose, so when the urine is trickling down, it's easier to get in his big nose. <laughs> right? So I they did, how long, I, I can, they did real I, good casting on this. All I could think about was how long did they actually have to have you up there for? Uh, two days of shoot. Oh, look at that. <laughs> and it's like clearly like... A hose or something like that. Amount of urine is strong. <laughs> Look, is... he's like he's drowning. He's like, no. <laughs> oh, there's a hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that, that's his hand. It's funny because this movie. A lot of people would say that's not a funny scene. That's just gross out humor. There's nothing wrong with gross out humor. I think gross out humor, when used correctly, like in that scene, can really elevate the comedy to a different sure. degree. Takes it up to to another level. I mean, sure, that wasn't as gross as Jack Black eating poop. Arguably, you could sure. argue, but I don't think it was. 
And, you know, I think, you know... You know, what with the sound down, this could be Game of Thrones. Look at that. I really think Jack Black should be in Game of Thrones as, as like, you know, the like the next king. And he's like, all right, it's me! And he just, like, grabs one of the swords off the iron throat and, like, cuts a guy. And he's like, that'll you be, gotta... You that'll gotta... be the moment that they describe Game of Thrones as jumping the shark. <laughs> jumping the jack. <laughs> and, then, yeah, yeah. And, oh, now there's someone who should be the king. Hen- yeah, we should just have you Henry should- Winkler. Henry Winkler <laughs> in Game of Thrones, and he's still a nice guy though. He's just like <laughs> <laughs> Henry Winkler comes across as like the nicest guy ever. Like I've never seen him like a dick. No, he always right. just comes across it when he's in it. Oddly enough, Henry Winkler is one of the few things that make Adam Sandler movies better. Like you know, like you know how Adam Sandler has those stable of actors like Rob Schneider, and you go, Ugh. and then you see Henry Winkler as his dad, and you're like, you know what? Yeah. This film has another level of respect. Not saying that Henry Winkler, Rick Moranis, and, yeah, and Fred Willard should have been in this movie, and they were the lead characters. It would have made like, all the difference, Ryan. It would have made all the difference. Liam, here's your scene. <laughs> See, I was right. It's only waste. I was wrong. It was a high priest. And I just love that. It's like, no, that doesn't count. That was a testicle. I think it counts. Because, what is that? Oh, the king. I wrote he was stroking beard king because all he did sure. was stroke his beard all the time. Is that a habit, Liam? You have, and Bartek, you both have facial hair beards. You can, you can stroke the beard in order to buy you time and make you look like you know what you're saying. Is it good I'm acting thinking. technique, you yeah. would say? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it makes him look noble. Like, hmm, yeah. mm, yes, yes, I, I indeed don't know what this script demands of me. kid's got it out. That's a great one. Holy shit, that oh, kid God, has there's not. two of us here. <laughs> this film, David Cross is really trying to... You know what, I'll be honest. I'm not a real big fan of David Cross oh, outside. He's great. he's great. No, outside of, like, his main stable things. Sure. Like, you know, like, Mr. Show. When he and turns up in other things. When he does other... Like, outside of Mr. Show and Arrested Development... And this, obviously. Well, Kimmy Schmidt, he's great in that. I, I haven't think... had the chance to watch Kimmy Schmidt he's, yet. It's he... been one of those ones that's, like, eluded me. It depends on the role, but uh, he, he does. He brings something. He always brings, he always yeah. brings something. I think it was the well, saving grace in Elvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> oh, you've watched that. Oh, no. You know, funny thing, we talked about how the <laughs> no, main... No, don't say... There's no saving grace in Elvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> You're right, I take it back. Other than the great version of Uptown Funk and the newest one, The Road yeah, Chip. I refuse. <laughs> you know why they probably got uh, David Cross for this movie? Was why? It? Because Liam's... other Arrested Development people like Michael Cera are in it? No, Liam said earlier that this film, it's all centred around the zero. Oh. So they were thinking like, what is some zero that we can put in there? Now there's a game out there called GTA San Andreas with, <laughs> yeah, da- with David Cross in it and his character's name is Zero. zero. The conspiracy theory comes up. I thought you got to go in a different direction where you're like, That's well correct. this movie does deal with elements of religion and his last name is Cross. Which does have oh. something to do with religion. Oh, my lord, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> that's right, it's all coming together. And David, as in Goliath. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, this movie's multi-layered. You know, yeah. you know, would you say that this that's Jack Black's real hair? Kind of Yes, hard. I'm sure, why I not? I think so. Because... Paul uh, Shear here, fantastic. <laughs> Actually, he is married to the character yeah. of Maya there. In real life, not in, in life. the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just the mud guy. He's a volunteer. He loves mud. <laughs> He's just obsessed with mud. I love Marlak has an unexpected character development, which is, I want to kill you where you stand too. Yeah, sure, I'll help you. 
Like, you know, where, where it just kind of happens out of nowhere. I think it's it's not just, you know what, I'm wrong. It doesn't happen out of nowhere. It's completely explained. <laughs> just think, him being whipped. At this moment, when, when Jack Black gets whipped, half the audience is going, yeah! So is Jack Black. <laughs> Little did we know he likes no, really, It whipped. looks like it really hurts him. We're all like, there's nothing funny about that. But there's a certain this cathars- is the moment where cathartic the, moment about This is, you know, this is the moment where... I love movies like this, including kids' movies, where they take a sudden dramatic kick to the head yeah. to the audience, such as, like, this reminds me of Prince of Egypt, the animated movie, and how that movie will randomly be like, yeah, he killed a man, yeah. and it's brutal. Sure. This is like, oh, yeah, you want to see Passion of the Christ with, with Jack Black? Here you go, and just whipping him, whipping him, and you're just like... There's well, another remake when... right there, Passion of the Christ with Jack Black. <laughs> That's fantastic. As the passion. Yeah, I love... When you get Michael Sarah whipped, you don't feel that sensation of joy, no. because you're like... Yeah, he doesn't deserve that. Well, he, he had hair yeah. on his hand for two right. hours and he didn't wipe it off. Leave and, all, him be. and also, he just kind of flinched at it. <laughs> yeah, he didn't scream. He just went. Michael well, Sarah's just like. And he makes a comeback. Too. There's a joke that he should have made where he gets whipped with it and he makes no reaction. It's like, don't you feel the pain? It's like. I'm always in pain. <laughs> just like, in that little Michael Sarah wimp, that Sarah wimpy way where he's like, I'm always in pain and just conceal, don't feel. That's his character in that Look at that great extra acting in the background. There. Which you know, one? Just in the background, like on the, on the uh, right-hand side of the king. Oh, this king suddenly takes a dramatic turn too where he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill my stepdaughter. <laughs> yeah. He's not? like, he did warn her about her insolence, but he didn't say, I'm going to kill you because of it. Also... Is she? Is it supposed to be she's a virgin, too? Is that the implication? But uh, yes, sure. I'd believe Olivia Wilde, the sexiest vegetarian alive, is, yeah, is a virgin. Totally. Of course, she's married to Jason Sudeikis. Is she really? And I find that another chapter in comedians that have hot wives. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's his name? Um, the fat guy in every Adam Sandler movie. You know, Kevin Smith. <laughs> Kevin James, I mean. Kevin, Kevin James. James. He has an attractive wife, too. And it's just like, good lord. Comedians, I guess, get the attractive wives. Is, yeah. is this a true story? Are we going to get attractive wives, Bartek? I hope so. You're, you're, I have to go on the record and say yes. You're a yeah. specter to the future. Sure. Woo. So here's something. Hank Azaria comes... Chicks dig a funny guy. <laughs> yeah, and money. Like <laughs> if, you, if you're really good. What are they doing there? They're just waving their hands. Yeah, because they're like, yay, sacrifice, woo. Without sound, you could Mm. just put your own soundtrack to that and they're just jazzing out to jazz. Maybe we should have picked English for the heart of hearing for the subtitles. Nah. Okay. What was he wearing underneath that tunic? Uh, Money, I imagine. (laughs) He's strapped onto him. It's like, if you're going to throw me off a freaking wall. I like how hammered she is. She's like, all right, I better get drunk for this. Um, I had a this is a good gag. I like this gag. Where always my favorite. Like it's never tied on. That's always the. And fa- <laughs> <laughs> no, he gave him the wrong one anyway. I love it. Yeah. yeah, it is a classic gag. There are some gags that no matter how many times you see them, you never. I'm doing it now. I'm genuinely laughing at this thing because it's ridiculous. You're probably also playing music in your head. Yeah. Like this, the- this though is indicative. Of, like the, the the new thing that's happening with with American films is that there's always a scene like that. A big action piece? Yeah, yeah, or a roller coaster scene. Because you go, that's the moment that, that they're going to... Oh, like a Rube Goldberg kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, but that, that's the moment they're going to put in the video game. 
You know, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. and I, you always just wait for it. You go, oh, oh, where, where's the video game? Right? Yeah, yeah, like when I watched Despicable Me 2, there was like yeah. an obvious one, like, oh, this is going to be an iPhone yeah. game, and it was yeah. an iPhone game. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, right. Okay. At first, I thought you were talking about, like, oh, for some reason, a comedy just has to have a big giant action piece in it because Jackie Chan really set the precedent in cinema. <laughs> sure. But, no, I'm not joking, sure, no, because yeah, think about that's it. Valid, think yeah. about it. American cinema really changed when Jackie Chan entered the scene in the early 2000s because he made comedies action comedies now which wasn't let's be honest was that really a big thing in american cinema action comedies i don't know is that i'm trying to think of any of that i mean you got action movies with comedies like lethal weapon but they're not action comedies like what we understand them today you know they're just like you know action with comedy in them and all that but now like i feel like jackie chan really set the precedent because you have to have these big game set pieces well jackie chan only came into america quite late no that's what i mean but he changed american cinema because he came quite late into the game, like early 2000s. Right, I'm going to have to do some more research on that one, my friend. I think the jury's out on that one. Nah, it's in. I've decided yeah. I'm correct. And that poor <coughs> woman got punched by a weak-ass Michael Zara. Yeah, Wouldn't it be a surprise if he took off the tunic and he was really fit? I would be surprised. <laughs> I saw him before and painted gold. All these little yeah, but gold's pop, deceiving. pop sticking out. <laughs> gold's deceiving. Um, you know, and why doesn't he just throw her into the fire already? I mean, you have one job, priest. Yeah. There's many times in movies where there are tropes that you just accept. Do you find that annoying that, you know, movies have manipulated our understanding where you have the bad guy, instead of just stabbing Jack Black, he hits him in the face (laughs) and lets him have a chance to fight him. You just accept that because we've grown up on this? Do you find that kind of annoying? Yes. Well, to give this film some credit, of one of those common examples is like when you grab a woman's wrist, she's like, "You've got her down." Oh yeah, you got her. She's not going to kick you in the nuts. At least the high priest is kind of grappling her. Yeah, and now, now she's like, "I love how he puts it on his (laughs) on his thing," and he's just like, "Yep, this works." Like if he was (laughs) if he was king, he would wear both. (laughs) That's the best. Well, for now, he is officially king because he's. And then he's like, "All right, I'm going to put this." This was always weird pacing too. Look at this weird pacing. It's like he. to this very quiet conversation. Well, that happens a lot of the times. Think about that. But as far as the the, the rhythm of the film, though, like it just like this whole last. It's the climax. Yeah, it just just deflates under the air. No, it inflates in a different direction than one would. Look, I'm not saying it's not the greatest film ever made. I I I truly think it is, but but there's just some weird kind of like third act sort of. <laughs> is that the sound of that guy who got thrown over the edge by Marlock? He's like, well, I'm <laughs> there was an old man in the crowd who like, yeah, just not doing like, oh, like well, how come <laughs> my understanding of this is that Kane is still alive at the end of the yeah, movie? No, 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 no. Like, just kill him already. Because I like how Vinnie Jones is technically an antagonist, but he's not the antagonist. He just hit him with a sword. But he's he's probably no, the he, strongest. He hit him with the butt of his sword. Yeah, right. And then oh, yeah. he tried to slash him because oh that that's a soccer kick there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's typical Vinny. He's like, I gotta include a soccer kick in there somewhere, mate. I gotta use my. <laughs> Judo Depp was so pleased that she saw Michael Sarah's turtle penis because I'm. Well, we don't know for sure he that he said he was thinking because he came out of his shell. Another classic. Another. I did that. Sorry. Just stab him, Vinny. Jeez, I love um. Vinny, you know, I feel sorry for him in this as this character. I feel sorry right. for this character because all he's trying to do is maintain order. He doesn't even really care about the king because he lets his own men kill the king. Mm. He just wants to maintain order of the city. That's what he wants. Mm. 
That's all Vinny wants. And isn't that... You know, I'm not saying that this movie's trying to promote violence against the authorities, such as the police, but you know, I think sure. it might be. Yeah. And even the Prime Minister, Stu the Meat Guy, just walked out. <laughs> That's the last we see of him. Yeah. <laughs> when Uber goes, I want him to be king. He did an alright job. <laughs> he sat there looking mean. Now, I had a big debate. People were like, why does he just spontaneously burst into fire? Like, not just like... When he gets pushed he's, in, he's fire just... he's covered in oil and very close to the fire. Yeah, that's what I said. And then mm. they're like, he falls in and just, explosion. And I'm like, well, obviously, because he was very large and covered in oil. Yeah. I mean, jeez. And he God. might have farted. He had residue. I mean, he, residue he shit his off. pants. I don't, that's what happens when you die. That's just a fact. What happened to the eunuch by the end of this movie? He's, he's he was just it? like, I'm fine. Well, he was in the crowd, wasn't he? I didn't notice. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, there's so many people. I don't people know. Once you've who... thrown away your testicles, you got nothing else to live for. Just <laughs> one. I bet he picked it up though. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna keep this. I'm gonna have some. They don't even know how to clap. This is a society that is being taught how to clap by a society that believed that <laughs> over the mountains was the end of the world. Sure. Well, they learn that clapping is what makes it rain. Now, here's the funny because thing. Because they stop for a second, then it stops. Oh, there he is. I saw the eunuch. Now, here's the thing. It would have been better if Michael Sarah taught them to clap because he was the inventor. Like, he's like, good, duh. Gourd. That's where you carry water in. This seems true. like a logical idea. Well, well see, he's eaten from the the, the the tree of knowledge. So the plot, come, the plot device of knowledge. Yeah. Well, Michael Sarah comes <laughs> up with like the logical kind of stuff, whereas I think clapping is like an instinctual thing, which is I think more Jack. Jack Black is very instinctual. He's like, yeah, I'm his... happy. So like cavemen, they like jump up and down, wave their hands, maybe hit them together. It's like, oh, it makes a noise. Oh, Here's yeah, this this movie, you know, it has lots of elements that are truly great in it, like McLaughlin. I mean, this movie really is a time capsule to 2009, especially. You know, even though it's set in the past, if you showed someone this and you're like, reaction shots, yeah, uh -oh. this. If you showed this to someone, say, who wasn't born in 2009, like 10 years down the track, you go, this is what the late 2000, like, this is what the late, you know, what is the noughties were like. Here you go, and they'll be like, wow, what a weird time to be alive, and you'll be like, it was. We, we suffered the Jack Black era, but now we're on the good era of Danny McBride. You know? The... <laughs> <laughs> I imagine, I imagine it's gonna... Really, the next episode we should have done, we have another one lined up, the next one we should have done was Your Highness with Danny McBride, because oh, both of God. them are very similar. These reaction shots shit me so much. You mean they make you happy? They're just the emotional uh, journey that they have to <laughs> go through. Those... I like the eunuch has no care. Like He's like, you and you and he points at the eunuch and the eunuch's just like whatever Yeah. like I already have no testicles so what's Look the at point that. there's another one oh god it's just terrible well if you were the director of this movie how would you have done it Liam because I mean Howard Ramis is an acclaimed director I mean you know jeez is he acclaimed <laughs> he made Ghostbusters <laughs> Sure, okay. Did he direct it? Look at that rain machine. Yeah, he directed it. Just like, can we direct some more over here? Oh, Ramus directed Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. No, um, uh, Ivan Reitman. Oh, no. I oh, was the fool. Look at that. Cleaner hair. Well. If Jack Black, the cleaner his hair, the more, uh, more of a hero he has become. Yeah, now he's going to rub his penis up against her in a hug. Really? Beautiful stuff. Well, the one I, I watched. I remember see that one. No, you didn't see it. You just she says oh, like, oh, oh, that's oh a, okay. That's another thing, Ryan. Have you noticed a difference between what no, you saw? a single difference? Okay, so, so, I think so, so here's the hug, and then she's like, oh, and then 
uh, okay. Like, the way she reacts and the way they react and her body flinches, it's like, clearly... Well, see, so you, you read erection into that. I just read sort of... Oh, of the Prime Minister guy had a quick appearance. Was he the oh. camel? No, he was right... <laughs> no, he was behind them while they were hugging. Sure. Oh, well, I guess he realised He did I put should... the crown back. Hmm. I guess he never did anything too... No, he was the only... In all fairness, the only person other than Vinnie Jones that cared about the people. She's Louise, because he was like, maybe we need a new high priest... I'm not saying Will Brooks should have been the Prime Minister, but if he was. Sure. Now, uh, the movie's ending. How does that make you guys feel? You know, how do you feel about that? Do you wish that we got to live <laughs> in this universe longer? You, we got to meet these, like, stay with these characters that try and kiss with their mouths fully. We've all done this, haven't we? Oh, We've yeah. all tried to kiss with our mouths Not unhinged. with each other, no. Not no, with you and me, but Barthes yeah. and I, woo! Um, there's a reason why it's called spin polish, you know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and... Yeah, I've been lured here under false pretenses. No, the right pretenses. Talking about year one, the right. best kind. <laughs> um, <laughs> like how Michael Sarah's obsessed with, yeah, my hair has piss in it. Like, that was a constant <laughs> thing. Does, has Michael Sarah's hair gotten darker? Yeah, because he has piss in it. <laughs> I think he must have been getting ready for another role. No, what happened, no, no, what happened was, he had a haircut. Yeah, but his hair was never that dark, though. At the top, it was. No. Yeah. Not at the start. Yeah. Well, is it on the cover? On the covers, Look at just that. but the covers of things, he's covers of things are there. despicably inaccurate to the actual movie sometimes. Like, look at him. Unlike now, though. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, yeah, piss in my hair. <laughs> it's like we get it. You got pee in your hair, but we need repetition, which is an important staple of comedy. That's true. Being comedy experts, what were the comedic uh, expertise that this movie really excelled in to you, personally? I think it's biggest uh, draw cut, it's biggest strength. Yeah, it's uh, biggest strength in comedy. Mm. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get you warmed up. Blackface, ten out of ten. <laughs> Name one scene that didn't have a joke, Ryan. Uh, this um. I can, I can, I can name a scene. The scene where um, Kane is listening to them go into the thing and then he betrays them. That wasn't that funny. No joke. Well, I, like, I like the twist. I like the, 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 the twist on the joke or the, or the setup. Uh, like they do a couple of good, good uh, false punchlines and, and their attempts at the physical setups are really good. So I do like it. What was that, by the way? A weird pinky was she, finger? She had a little pinky finger up at the queen. That was weird. I, I don't know. We'll have to listen to their audio commentary to find yeah. out. There, and there is an audio commentary. Is there really? Yeah, Harold oh, Ramis, right. Jack Black, and Michael Sarah on this Holy DVD. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that Eve was also This there. is For me, it's an interesting film because it also uses a lot of improvisers. Like, there's a lot of improvisers mm. in this in this. Uh, I think, you know, obviously, Liam, you have a more of an understanding Matt of... Matt Besser, that was his name. So. You have more of an understanding of, of improv than, than I do, but I honestly just don't... I feel like the, 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 the joy of improv can be lost very easy on film. I think... Yeah, if you've ever tried to watch a completely improvised film, it's tedious. It really is. But, mm. but in small moments, like in small reactions and in... And in that experimental kind of like try and find a better line, yeah, which was what something uh, uh, Bill Murray does a lot. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like you can do that, and I think it's great. You know who's but, a, uh, who's a director that um, was his, his films some of the most iconic moments are improvised that you wouldn't think is Stanley Kubrick. Like, yeah, 
Most of his films, you think Stanley Kubrick's the guy who's like, do 100,000 takes and get it right. Yeah. Every frame of painting. But the most iconic moments in most of his films, improvised. Like singing in the rain in A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Improvised. Or pretty you much- know who hates improvising, film, improvising in films? Kevin Smith. Really? <laughs> yeah, working with Seth Rogen on uh, Zack and, and uh, Mary Mega Porno. I did not know that. Seth Rogen kept trying to improvise new lines and scenes and Kevin was just like, stop it! Just do the script. I wrote this. I tried. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, in all fairness, Seth Rogen is one of those actors that is the big, you know, of this era, the big comedians where they just do impro, impro, impro all the time. Mm. Well, Kevin Smith does come from the 90s where it's like, I wrote this script. Yeah. You better respect the script. Yeah. And there's a reason why he wrote it. So I, I cannot understand. But yeah, Kubrick... I mean, full metal jacket, every line from the drill sergeant is improvised. Yeah, but that's because he was a drill sergeant, I so know. he knew what he was doing. You but, know? Yeah, no, but yeah. still, you think, like, for instance, Kevin Smith, comedy guy, you think he would allow impro on the improvisation, and then you think Stanley Kubrick, meticulous filmmaker, yeah. very cold, wouldn't allow impro in there, but they do. He does. It's just kind of that flip on the, what you expect. Well, wasn't that depends if you if you trust your actor? <laughs> wasn't that a yeah. yeah? Well, wasn't that a big thing with Stanley Kubrick? He was very meticulous, but he made an exception for uh, Ali Ermi. Yeah, yeah, and ja- mm-hmm. you know, and all of them, all of them, really, like Jack Nicholson and you know Malcolm McDowell. All of them. Every movie he does, Peter Sellers. All of them. He just loves. But you'll find that the, the generally the, hi- the history will go. They'll get the shot first. They'll mm. get the script. They'll do. The the script they'll get the shot and then they'll say all right let's see what else we can do and then i think it's maybe you get something from that but they always cover themselves first i don't yeah. know many directors who go straight in and go let's just see what happens <laughs> <laughs> hey joel schumacher's <laughs> yeah one. that's right we got we got hundreds of millions of dollars worth of special effects to do with this film you, let's just improvise around it have you heard george clooney talked about joel schumacher on batman and robin and his direction for him was okay now, this is a funny scene, George, but remember, your parents are dead. <laughs> <laughs> Action. That is, that's comedy, comedy right there. That's Action. Comedy right there. Okay, so the movie has unfortunately ended. I stayed all the way I to the end. I, I, I missed it. What happened at <laughs> the end? We'll start again. No, I unfortunately, unfortunately it has ended, and I thought there was going to be something at the end of the credits. Like, right. at the end, end, there was going to be, like, coming next year. Year <laughs> two, and it would be like two different actors. It's their story, and they bump into yeah. Jack Black along his travels of the world. Nope, unfortunate. So let's do a review and a, and a rating of how we feel. Barnes, like, I want to hear from you first, Mister. What your review, and if you had to give it a rating out of anything. Mm-hmm. Well, this movie, to use the really really tired phrase, roller coaster ride. <laughs> Definitely a roller coaster ride. An emotional one and a physical one. An emotional one, mostly a physical one, and definitely a comedic one. I don't think there's any doubt from watching the film, listening to us talk about it, I don't think you can doubt that this is a comedy film. Yeah. Lo- lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, stop laughing. You're yeah. trying to be serious. Sorry. It is a film. It is. It's, right. yeah. it's, a, it's an unappreciated masterpiece. Now, we've done comedies on this show before. We've done Big Fat Liar. We've done Meet Dave. We've Bend done... It Like Beckham. Bend It Like Beckham was a... Well, that was a funny one. Roller coaster ride. Um, band Slam, as we can see right here. <laughs> yeah. 
And this one does it in a very different way. Like we said, we have a lot of really big actors in this film. We've got Harold Ramis, Jack Black, the greatest of them all, Michael Sarah. And, <laughs> the greatest of them all. And also, in the comedy, we look at a lot of themes from literature, mainly the Bible. We touch upon... And apparently there was going to be a Noah scene with some actor, but because Evan Almighty did bad, they cut him out or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know what was up with that. So, and it really makes us think a lot. Like, in the scene where they're in the, uh, what was that holy place called where people die if they enter? The holiest of holes. The holiest of holes, I think that was what they called it, yeah. They they <laughs> made, they had a lot of religious commentary right there about whether God's here, whether he's stepped out, what's the point if anything happens, if he doesn't exist, and it led to an argument between the two. Mm. So this whole film is really trying to make a lot of comments, but also trying to make a lot of comedic jokes, and I think that that might be why it was unappreciated by audiences, because the people who wanted the comedy had to deal with all these other social satire elements, whereas the people who wanted a really religious experience found that the comedy detracted from a lot of it. But we watching it now, and this is this is not our first or second time watching it, it's at least our third, we can look on Once, it... Once, twice, three times a lady, yeah. Yes. We can look on it with the knowledge that, yes, this movie has a purpose, and we can see what it is. Everything is zero. Everything <laughs> has a point. And that is what makes it a great movie. You cannot appreciate it fully on your first or second viewing. If I have to give this movie a rating, I have to give it a... A, a shit and piss in the toilet. Not on Michael Sarah's face and in Jack Black's mouth. I know that that sounds like, you know, like a, oh, that's a disgusting rating, that's not a it good is, thing. It's disgusting. But, no, 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 but... If you think about it, that, yourself. that is exactly where it has to be. Yeah. This movie is exactly what it needs to be. Sure. And that is my final thoughts. I'm going to give a review now of what I had to gain from year one. Year one, uh, it is a slightly personal movie for me because it is one of those ones, one of those first films for me. I think we all have a film in our life that... We really don't under we didn't understand when we first watched it, or we still may not understand today. Why didn't it work? It had all the promise, all the potential. This was our first real film for me with like a full understanding of film and how it goes on and, and why I enjoy film. Well, I watched it the first time and I didn't understand why don't I like this? Why don't I like this? What is it that isn't getting to me? And I did not realize until I was older that I just needed more time to mature into the comedy of this movie and into the themes. Now, we keep making the mistake of going Bible and all that, but this is Old Testament. And I think that is very, very good because we don't usually get a lot of Old Testament kind of set comedies, you know, where we usually get like comedies and satires of like Christian faith based, which is New Testament, but this is kind of riffing on, you know, Old Testament Jewish faith based kind of stuff going on. Except ironically, I mentioned Evan Almighty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and all that kind of stuff where, you know, you have movies like Life of, Life of you know, Life of Brian and the Holy Grail and all these kind of stuff where it's like making fun of the history of the Bible and Christianity and all this, where this is one of these movies that goes, hey, you know, the Old Testament 
sounds pretty crazy itself, you know? And, you know, the faith, the faiths that follow that can be pretty crazy themselves, and circumcision and circumcision and all this. It's all crazy, you know? Old Testament God is crazy God. Why is no one making comedies about this era of religion? And I really commend this film on that because... We don't get these. We don't get this set very much, and I really do commend it. And I feel like Jack. Now we know why. Jack Black, <laughs> Jack Black, and Michael Sarah, a great comedic duo. I really am upset that they have not worked together as a duo in more films. It's a it's a beautiful pairing when you see two people that you wouldn't necessarily think would work together, like Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson and Zoolander. I didn't think they were going to work, but they work great. And then. You know, Michael Sarah, Jack Black, and all these people that you just think, you know, well, I didn't think of pairing them together, but it doesn't seem like a bad idea, and it works. And I would really think that these guys need to make more and more stuff, pump out the, pump out stuff together. If I had to give this a rating, you know, it's hard. You know, it's a hard thing to give a movie of this caliber a rating. But if I had to, I had to give it a nice big brain blood in the boner. Nice. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, nice. It, it stimulates. Stimulates. You, it was, yeah, it's yeah. a stimulating and erotic piece. I loved it. I love. I really look forward to seeing where those two guys go with their careers, uh, Jack Black and Michael Sarah. Uh, I really think they're going to go. They've stumbled across some really fun stuff there, and they're going to go on to do some great things. Uh, <laughs> I suffice to say, I think if you've summed it up, guys, I'm just going to give it uh, three out of five bald eunuchs. You said that, guys. Perfect. Nailed it. So, other people had other thoughts, and other people had other things to say that we may not have tread on, or mm. they just have a better way of saying it. So, I'm just going to dive in. This review is from 2009, and it's a nine star review out of ten. What? Yeah, yeah. And this person's title of their review was exactly what it should have been, yet cruelly underrated. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is what they have to say. When I first saw the when I first saw the in in when I first saw the in theater preview for this movie, I was extremely excited. I went home and got onto Facebook and became a fan of the movie, which provided me with updates containing every video pertaining to year 1 that was out there. I saw all of these videos and laughed hysterically, but I began to get a feeling that the movie would consist of what was in the previews and be nothing more than around 15 minutes of funny dragged out over 90 minutes of period of time. I was wrong. When the movie started, I began to become even more worried I would hate it because within the first 20 minutes of the movie, at least three-fourths of the things seen in the previews were already said. I figured it was going to drag on from there, but to my great relief, it did not at all. The entire hour and a half of the movie was constant laughing. The way here. <laughs> The way Black and Sarah got themselves in so much trouble and managed to get out of it every time was perfect. The ridiculous yet hilarious references to the Bible and how things that exist today were created were perfect. The movie was exactly what it was supposed to be, a laugh out loud comedy that was only meant to entertain. I am still baffled as to why people keep bashing this movie. Comments, <laughs> comments like, worst movie of the decade, anger me. What were people expecting with this movie? A heartwarming story with a compelling plot and serious action? 
<laughs> yeah, right? Why would you expect that? It is like everybody is sizing this movie up to expectations that it doesn't need to be sized up to. This movie was a great movie. If you all want to, if all you want to do is l go in and laugh, if you're looking for some deeper moral at other things that don't belong in a movie like Year One, you should go and see something else. Nine out of ten. <laughs> Did they go on to watch the film two or three times a day <laughs> and then write a quiz about it? I'm not saying that well, they that did. is the logical <laughs> thing to do. This next one's an eight-star review. Also 2009. Every now and then I like to mention when the reviews come out because think this is when it came out, so their perspective is fresh off it, while ours is years later now. Oh, totally. So it's very different. So eight stars. Is this vast majority dead? Excuse me? That's, what? That's, is this vast majority dead is wrong? Is the vast majority Is the dead? vast majority dead wrong? Okay. We'll find out. <laughs> Firstly, let me mention that this is my first IMDb post ever. At last. Oh, good. The review starts off with some history. <laughs> I love the history of the people. And I feel compelled to make this post based on many different things. I went into this movie with no prior knowledge other than a trailer of the movie where Michael Cera gets berries knocked out of his hands, etc. <laughs> <laughs> One example, it's that. And That's great. Right. I want to go see this film. <laughs> he gets, hey guys, he gets berries knocked out of his hand. I have to see this film. <laughs> Eight out of ten. Berries. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing is, I don't even remember that. <laughs> Do you guys? It was the it best was, bit of the film. It was the first time we see him. He gets buried, <laughs> knocked out of his head. He's a gatherer. He's getting buried, yeah, knocked <laughs> out of his head. <laughs> Berries. <laughs> they made an account to mention this. They made an IMD. Okay, out of his hands, etc. This scene made me laugh, laugh, and I thought that Jack Black and Sarah could be a good pairing for comedy. I did not know that the movie was directed by Harold Ramis, nor that the script was written by Ramis as well as the guys from The Office, all three of whom are comedy geniuses. Liam's <laughs> <laughs> just like, come on guys, yeah. I'm a comedy genius. Nor did I know that the movie had ha had been panned by Roger Ebert. Ooh. Mm. Roger Ebert's panned many of the movies of this show, guys. Yeah, what does he know? I'm not a fan. Um... Panned by Roger Ebert, the only movie critic whom I actually respect, and that we have similar tastes in movies. If I had read that, if I had read the Ebert review, one star, might I add, I probably wouldn't have gone to see the movie. But nonetheless, I did. There are two types of, there are two kinds of comedy: comedy with a moral to the story, and mindless comedy for the sole purpose of making people laugh. This is the latter, but it is done to perfection. I'm not going to talk about the movie itself other than to say that the scenes with Oliver Platt and Sarah had me laughing as hard as the first half hour of Borat. And then, and then in brackets, in brackets, i.e. I could barely breathe in that movie, in brackets... I'm not claiming that this movie is a classic. In fact, I'll admit there are there there was no real point to the movie, and the philosophical bits feel <laughs> <laughs> the philosophical bits feel pretty flat. But all in all, there were many scenes in this movie where Ramus's genius is apparent. 
I went to I went to the movie to get some laughs and I definitely got my money's worth for a quick example of some other comedies which had me leaving a large amount of pee for the theater personnel to mop up later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You heard that. This this other examples of I can't control my bladder <laughs> was a fish called Wonder, the Holy Grail, Office Space, Borat, Austin Powers, and Happy Gilmore. Great, good company, good company. I love that. And then, okay, I didn't see most of these in the theatre, but you get the point anyway. Um, they just had to clarify that. They're like, yeah, okay, look, I'm, no, yeah, I didn't see them. Why history. go to the theatre I, I, can, I can piss myself at home? <laughs> I, can't really, I can't really say why so many people are panning you one. My only thought is that they really just don't get the humour. Obviously, there is plentiful supply of people on IMDb that will not like this notion since they couldn't possibly be wrong about anything, but in my opinion, they are mistaken when it comes to this movie. I have a feeling that people's opinions of this movie will change in time. He was right, guys. Uh, will change in time. I have a feeling that people's opinions of this movie will change in time. It is possible that a pointless caveman comedy could be before its time? I hope this post will get a few more people to watch this movie with an open mind. I love. I don't want to shit on the other critics, but I pee in my seat when I see a movie, and oh, this yeah. movie's gonna make you pee hard. I wonder if the usher's like, oh god damn it, all these people peeing when they watch you one. The next one is a one, two, three, four, five, six star review. Oh come on, this is Mel Brooks inspired. 2009 also. This is nowhere near as bad as some are making out. It has touches of Python and a lot of Mel Brooks. It is pretty lazy in places with pretty lazy in places with too much ad-libbing. At least I hope it was ad-libbing. <laughs> <laughs> but this is pretty good entertainment. It's not really about cavemen. It's about the Old Testament set mainly in Sodom. And it is kind of like Life of Brian, though clearly not in the same class. No one, one can understand why marketers don't want problems with an upset congregation, but at the end of the day, this works pretty well as both broad comedy and a gentle satire. Mm. Considering that I was expecting a total donkey with a side order of turkey, this was pretty... <laughs> <laughs> with a side order of turkey, this was, pretty, this was pretty much a fun film, and nowhere near as bad as I heard can be watched without loss of brain cells. Six stars. I love... Can be watched. That's a great drive-thru. So he was expecting (laughs) a donkey with a side of turkey, and he got that and a drink. (laughs) Great. So this one is a smart, hilarious comedy. Eight stars. I found this movie on the bottom rack of the corner shelf at Blockbuster, which didn't bode well. I saw. But, I, I found it at the top of the cat converter. <laughs> so that bodes well. That didn't. That didn't bode well. But I'm glad I took a chance. If you like Arrested Development or Mr. Show, you'll love this movie. This. <laughs> the movie is a satire of the Old Testament. It presents the biblical creation story in the context of a tribe of Stone Age humans with contemporary mindsets. The results are hilarious. It's not as good as Monty Python's Life of Brian, but it's in the same ballpark. The only area area where the film suffers is in what seems like an attempt to cater to a younger audience with toilet humor. However. As you cringe watching the toilet humor scenes, you get sideswiped by a few clever jokes that are timed just right. 
There are a few jokes in the movie that are delivered so perfectly with such great nuance and skill that just thinking about them still makes me laugh. My favourite scene is... Hey, not the berries! <laughs> not the berries! Not the berries. My favourite scene is where the priest is reading the omens from the sheep's entrails that he just poured onto the table. To me, I see a smiley face and that makes me happy. And then this person puts a winky face after that. Like, that was a good line, winky face. <laughs> this movie is one of the few that I'm willing to buy. <laughs> like, like, one of two dollars. One of the few. <laughs> Last one, guys. Now, Liam, the best part of these reviews for me are hearing the personal lives of the people who write them. You sure. know, every now and then we get people who are like, my son loved this movie and he's autistic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you get something like that. This, this one's it not, should be funny, but it this is. This one's not quite like that, but you get a little context. Yeah. This is hilarious. Eight stars. My husband and I just got back from watching this movie and I thought it was hilarious. Is this 2009 as well? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was... No, they watched it in 2016. Just came back home from the cinema. No. Okay. I just... I just, And I thought it was hilarious. I like movies that don't take themselves too seriously and this is definitely a movie like that. It looked like everyone had fun making a silly film and I know everyone in the theatre was laughing throughout. There are parts that try to drag a joke out for a little too long but overall, I thought the humour was simple, effective and very well executed. Michael Cera was definitely the shining star in this movie. He delivers awkward comedy so well and just so believable and likable he is a fantastic actor 8 out of 10 nice. <laughs> like they're just like my husband and I had a fun time with this movie did we all have a fun time with this movie is Michael Sarah a shining star still shining today shine on you crazy diamond Sarah they like to call him down at the bar yeah, yeah, he could use a bit of, like, a rub and scrub, but, yeah, I think he's still a star. <laughs> a rub and scrub. Yeah, yeah, like, to wipe it a bit. Jeez. So, that was you one, guys. How do you... We all feel emotional about it. The berries scene is getting us all laughing again. Oh, Let's berries. watch the movie again just for the berries scene. All right, guys, go back to the start of this uh, commentary and listen to the uh, commentary on the berries scene when it happened. We may or may not have commented on it, but who knows? It was so good that we are Liam's laughing about it right yeah, now. I think it was around the time we were talking about what we remembered. and like yeah. How, we How could we forget the, the berries scene? Clearly. It's so memorable. That's it right. was really nuanced performance from the berries um he actually did have some funny lines there he was like oh well now well, now we don't get to eat because you dropped the berries and stuff like that no good times good times were had you guys anything you want to say before we finish up about year one any kind of deep philosophical anything that you want to mention I don't, I don't know if I have anything more after my review. Yeah, his review really pooped him out Liam what about you Any any anything you want to leave us off with with your ideas of this film uh, I just think that uh, if if this film is your entree, is your to the word to the to the oeuvre of Harold Ramis, then uh, seek out the back catalogue. <laughs> go backwards. Uh, go, go back. Work your way back to year one of his of his comedy history, and uh, and see where it all started. Well, I think that I, th- I think you'll find a, I think you'll find a theme. Yeah, you'll find a theme of greatness throughout yeah. although I think that's also the only choice because apparently he didn't make anything after this yeah that's, that, right. that's right and then he he on. said I've made the greatest okay this is one of the greatest films we've ever done and it's one of the greatest we didn't talk about it too much and how great it was but we did mention it but hey this movie is so great that Harold Ramis just called it a day yeah. he just went 
you know what? Everyone wants another Ghostbusters? Nah, year one, retire, die. You know, that's that's how a real legend does it. That's how a real legend does it. I mean, I don't know what other actors in this... Forget movie. Groundhog Day. Forget... <laughs> Screw it. Ghostbusters. This is Screw it. Screw it. This is my calling card. Year one with Jack Black and Michael Sarah and Oliver Blatt and, and Stu the meat guy and on and on it goes. This movie brings a tear to my eye that there was no comedy sequel to it and that this did not get the love that it needed. Maybe after the Ghostbusters remake, they'll make this. They'll make an all-female yeah. version of yeah. it? Yeah. Bring out Danny McBride. <laughs> yeah, and he plays, like, the princess, though. No, an all-female version of this is Clan of the Cave Bear, isn't it? And that's already there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've already so got it's already that. Done. It's already done. What's Clan of the Cave Bear? That's, that's this. You guys have been fantastic, wonderful, amazing listening people, as always. Liam, you've been a fantastic, wonderful, amazing guest. I just want to say thank you very much to Bartek Cappuccino and Ryan Slinky for having me on. It's it's great, and all the best to you guys. I think that when they remake this podcast <laughs> down the track, you'll be um, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Liam. Amore. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Ryan. Um, I just want to thank myself. I did a good job today. Yeah. I even brought snacks. Um, Bartek, as always, you've been a good, good host. Yeah, thanks. All right, you brought, you brought that trivia. By the way, can I just say that Ryan, your suit looks amazing, and Bartek, the fact that you sat here the whole time naked, is really, <laughs> really off-putting. Not the first time he's done this on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, until next time, until next time, guys. Remember to. Be kind to each other, and of course, don't forget the berries scene, because who could forget that? Yeah, I nearly died from the laughter of that berry scene. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot this berry scene. Like you guys were like, oh, you were obviously right. There was that classic berry scene that we all forgot. I think we need to wrap up the episode. <laughs> I'm already checked out. <laughs>